This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of men. You are the Renaissance. Man or woman, one of the most empty questions that you can get is what is one thing you would change about the world? Bullshit. What's one thing you would change about you? Bend the world around you. It's a compounding investment. Hello, my name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. How well do you know your friends? If you're anything like me, the past 12 months has seen the end of some of what you once thought were the most important relationships in your life, and the beginnings of new ones that feel much closer than any you've had before. But if you're also like me, in many cases those new relationships are online, maybe on Telegram, Instagram, Slack, or other platforms. These relationships take place in chat rooms or DMs in a flood of text-based energy that contains real connection through shared values, inside jokes, and epic exchanges, but that we all know are somehow missing something. A sense of context, perhaps. As in, who is this man behind the scenes, outside of the chat? What's his story? Where does he come from? What does he believe? And what events shaped him? When life was lived offline and time moved at a normal speed, we took these things for granted. That's just how men became friends, right? We'd bump into someone at an event or gathering, somehow hit it off, and through the magic of male bonding, form and cultivate a connection. But now, living in lockdown life, with political events dividing people along deeply personal lines and time seemingly going crazy making everything happen at once, we're forced to adapt and find connection where we can to move forward. Nonetheless, there exists a need to get to know each other better. We can't just grab a beer or go fishing, especially not when our friend lives hundreds or even thousands of miles away. Instead, we have to do the thing that men aren't always naturals at. Talk. Only by doing that can we do the work to turn these new friendships into brotherhoods and possibly even the foundations of a new civilization which is why I'm so grateful to have met my guest this week. His name is KJ Kitely, and he's a husband, father, homesteader, farmer, firearms absolutist, outdoorsman, new Gaia Sandals ambassador, and a hell of a guy. We met recently on Telegram in a chat room full of barbarians and fell into each other's orbit. Like all good friends, we recognize something in each other, I think. In him, I saw true spirit, expertise, mastery, and an attitude towards life and masculinity that I could relate to and respect, even if I didn't quite know where it came from in his life. So we talked a few times and I discovered, yeah, this is the guy, and through our connection found that while many worn-out things are falling apart, many very good new things are coming together. In our conversation on this podcast, we discussed KJ's background and upbringing and how he went from a near-dropout drug dealer to the family man he is today the killer story of his high school graduation 
and what it says about his get-it-done attitude and rebel spirit, his approach to personal sovereignty and preparedness, and how that translates across the full spectrum of his life to farming, solar power, firearms, and more. Our mutual stance against mask world and encroaching bureaucratic and medical tyranny. Come and take it. And finally, the story about how he died twice and came back and what it means to him to live with that knowledge every day. Fair warning, we were drinking whiskey during this episode, so it's probably best to think of it less like a podcast and more like two men sitting on a back porch under the stars having a chat. So get ready for three full send hours I think you're going to love. Because ladies and gentlemen, KJ says words. It gives me great pleasure to introduce this week's guest on the Renaissance of Men podcast, my friend, the hammer and the spear, KJ Kitely. KJ, man, how you doing? I'm doing well, sir. Honored to be here. I would like to drink a toast to you. Thank you for joining me on this fine Thursday evening for our podcast together. Absolutely. Nothing, nothing like a Thursday. I got sun. Did you get sun today? Uh, I did get some sun today, yes. Are we talking Are we talking like 10 minutes or was it a couple hours? Like, it was like I, I was in the sun all day working, working in, uh, in, in the fields. No, I wasn't. <laughs> it was like 15 minutes. It was, a good, it was a good 15 minutes. Like I was really present with the sun, which I think makes a difference. There you go. See, I tried it. Like instead of usually I get like this massive farmer's tan. Mm-hmm. And so I decided they started making these bro tank things. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to jump on the bro tank wagon and I won't have such a massive farmer's tan. Sure. And this year I started in like, I don't know, the end of March, it was like 70 degrees for two days straight, just randomly. Cause Idaho, Idaho Springs are wild. They're all over the place. Yep. So I threw on some bro tanks and I was like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get this base tan going and get some sun. And I spent, for an entire weekend straight, I was outside for 11 hours plus that whole weekend. Wow. How'd that make Getting it. Getting it. Did the base tan work out like you wanted it to? Uh, it did. Uh, fortunately, I don't really, I never really burn. I get super dark um, and I'll, I'll maybe get, you know, like a quarter size spot that I'll be like, Ooh, ow, kind of <laughs> sensitive. I don't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that hurts right there. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, no, it's working out. I got, uh, you know, I got my grounded athlete tan going too. So mm. I just got all the weird lines around me right now, which is good. Are those chickens I hear in the background? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of chickens. I, I wanted to do this outside as much as I could because it's, it's like 65 right now and it smells nice and spring's happening and all my, all my roosters are mad, obviously. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's what that is yeah i kind of i wish uh, i feel like we should be like together hanging out on the back porch like with a couple microphones like that would be that would be the ideal scenario that would be a massively ideal scenario and i got i got my back pasture set up right now too there's a i have i have two separate creeks that run through it as soon as the irrigation turns on they're open ditch creeks and so they look just like a natural creek would because they're just they're just holes dug in the ground that have been there for a hundred years Um, so there's all sorts of growth and trees and overhangs and shade and everything. So I built a couple bridges out there and then we've got, um, those like double and triple camp chairs out there. Mm -hmm. So in the summertime, you can head out there, it'll be 90 degrees at night and you're just sitting there and all you hear is two streams running, gurgling water. And you can just sit down, stare at a stream, 
and just hang out. It it's nice. That would be a good podcast zone. That sounds really nice, actually. I'm into that. I'm into that. Well, you know, I'm going to be on the road soon, so I'm thinking about you know buying a couple of USB mics and just seeing who I can meet up with and like let's just sit down and, and have a chat. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're 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 bound to meet some some people you never even thought you were going to meet, and you just have that spark. And yeah. here you go. Hey, what are you doing for the next two hours? Sit down. I'm just going to talk to you. Let's go. I'm. I, you know, I might actually I might actually do that because when I was overseas. I didn't really think about doing a podcast at the time, but I did have some really interesting conversations with people and they just seemed, I'm just interested. That's why, that's why I like doing a podcast. Like I like asking about people about their lives and people like telling me about their lives because I think I'm me in some way. And so that's, that's a real, that's a real yeah, thing. Absolutely. When you were overseas, did you, did you do, and I know you did a bunch of photography at places you went and you know, those sort of experiences. Did you do any sort of videography and talk yeah. to people at all? No, I didn't. I, I, I didn't. No, I just had a blog. If I had known, if I had known, like I had the thought, I had an iPhone for a while and then I had a regular point and shoot, like a nice point and shoot camera. And then I had a, a real camera with interchangeable lenses, but I never shot video because I was always like, I'm not going to learn how to edit the video. I can barely, I can barely create time to, to write a blog post, which is where my head was at. And now I'm looking back and be like, wow, it would have been a real good idea to shoot a bunch of video. Um, well, yeah, even, yeah, even if you didn't use it then, you know, to have it now, you know, but you can't forecast that sort of thing too. But now everything is the sound bite and the video bite and the, you know, compilation of things and put fancy music behind it and people are going to gush their pants over it. You know, you know, how it goes on the internet. Yeah, exactly. And I always felt that I can edit a photo and make a photo look really nice. Um, but the video doing videography is just this whole other thing. I was like, I just don't even want to get into it. Like I wanted to work on the art of writing, which I did a good job at. I'm pretty happy with it, um, with how I got in that. But yeah, video is a good job at. I read your stuff and I have to stop for a minute and then like reread it just to re- let it really fully sink in. You're mastermind at that. You just you keep going at that. Thank you. Thank you. I really, I really appreciate that. That means a lot because, you know, as you know, when you put your effort into something it pays off over time. You don't necessarily have a grand vision starting out like you do it because you love it. And then suddenly you're, you're you attain some degree of mastery at it. Right. I imagine there's probably multiple things where that's true for you. But very much so. It's kind of the, what you just said is kind of the thing where people have to, and it's appreciating kind of where you're at or, you know, what you've done, things like that. I don't think enough people do it. Um, there was, there was something I read a while back. I don't, it was one of the many men that we follow and read. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know who said it, but it was just a very succinct way of saying, you know, stop for a fucking second and look around you at all the things that you have right. that you wanted. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well said. Right. Like, and, and don't, and it's, it's so simple. It's so simple to do. Like I'm sitting here right now on just, you know, on the, my back patio looking at just an expanse of land and all the stuff that I've busted my ass for. And I come home every day and have to chore it and I have to work on it and, you know, whatever else may be. But I try as hard as I can to realize like, this is what I wanted. And I have, I have it right now. It's in my hands. Like I can do anything I want with it from here on out whenever I want. And it's just, it's just realizing that stuff. And I, I don't think enough people do it. And it's obviously it's starting to show, Mm-hmm. You know, the, the me, me, me and the gimme, gimme is just all over right now. And it's sad to see, but here we are. It's got to rise above it. Well, when you, when you sit down and you look around your land, 
and you recognize you at your home and you've got your wife and your daughter, you've got your chickens, you've got your firearms and your friends and your community and all of that. And you, you take in, you breathe in the KJ that you are now and you realize that this is something that you were working towards for many years. Like, how does that feel? It feels good. I'm going to give it the good label because if, if I say it was to feel great or, you know, I, I feel whole or I feel this, I have all those things and I've wanted all those things. But if I rest on my laurels, that I'm just another dick that's just riding those coattails. I got to have another level up of whatever it is, whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, in my relationship, uh, being an excellent father. Like there's always other building blocks that I'm constantly striving towards. They just happen to be so many of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. That the juggling act gets extreme at times, especially with having a toddler. I mean, she's she's a wild woman. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm teaching her to chore. So that way, if when I get home, she can come outside. She can help me do the chores, and she can play. I've I've timed it to about she she can be in the pasture with the chickens, trying to pet them, which they do not let her do. Right. But she will face them. Uh, I can get about an hour. And get about an hour of her out there just going wild before she's dead, dead, you know, at the gate trying to let me, you know, let me out, let me out, whatever it is. Um, but there's, there's always things to be working on. Uh, I mean, especially with how I live my life too. There's, there's just, there's always something and it's never anything that's going to never, never anything negative. It's everything that I try to do that I have to do anything. It's something that is important. It's going to benefit, most importantly, directly my family, and everything else cascades after that. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it took it took probably ninety days, one hundred and twenty days after my daughter was born for my weird postpartum to leave. Because male postpartum is real. Whoever's listening to this, it's real. Like it happens to people, and I I did not see it coming because a woman has let's call it almost 10 months of knowing, Hey, I'm going to be a mother. Baby's growing inside of her. She's going through changes. She can feel it. Her body, obviously, you know, it's visible as a dad. You're like, Hey, I, you know, I'm going to be a dad. That's going to happen. And it's just kind of something you say, and you see your wife as her belly's getting bigger and you're doing all these things to get ready for a baby. You're not a father until that thing drops out. And then it's like, Oh shit. Oh shit. The light, the light switch pops mm-hmm. and it gets, it gets extreme really fast. And so everything was fine. It was just, my brain was in a fog because I was like, all right, everyone's going to die. Who comes near this child? You know, like, I'm like, <laughs> yes. yeah. like I, I need, I need to figure this out. Give me some time. No one look at my child. Leave me alone. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out my lane. So it, it quickly, you know, and, and rightly so it rose to the top of that. That my highest priority is my, my family. Um, and then, yeah, everything else just comes comes and goes and build as you can. Well, you're in you're in good company with saying that because you know on my very first podcast I had Tanner Guzzi on, and you know Tanner Guzzi is a guy that we all have enormous respect for, and he's earned it for sure. And yeah. he was talking about how everything changed for him when he had his first child, or his first yes, probably his first child, because he said without kids. I'd be just some aimless dude living in a basement or something like that. He said that he was very honest about that. He said, you know, having children really activated something in him. It really activated something in him as a man. And now his whole theme, well, one of his whole themes along with masculine style 
is he says aspirational fatherhood, that fatherhood is actually the completion of many of our journeys as men. It's not just about, you know, being, you know, ripped and jacked and all that stuff. It's not just about that. It's like, what are you going to pass it on to? And then when you pass it on to a child, that's when the real light goes on. You recognize that now we're keeping score. This was all the pregame stuff. Yep. No, it's all, it's all, it all, it's supposed to lead up to that. I, you know, I have to say that in the, in the right current sphere that we happen to find ourselves in, it's supposed to lead up to that. Um, And one once it does happen, it's, it's something that your, your body always has in you. you, you know, your, your spirit is there. You just have no idea that it's there. And then, you know, all of a sudden you unlock all these whole other set of skills and levels mentally and physically that you had no idea was there, but it's just been waiting. It's just been waiting for you. You know, if, if we get to like the grassroots, like you and I are men, mostly probably men are going to listen to this. Like, we're just supposed to spread the seed, right? That's it. Just, right. just spread it around everywhere, right? That's, but that is that is part of your goal. You, you just work up all of this and then, okay, I'm going to find a solid woman, make a bunch of babies. Tell and then what. your life actually starts after that. After you make a few babies. Or oh, when, yeah. when you find, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's yeah. the, well, that's the, that's sounds <laughs> really radical in a way and that's the crazy part is that we live in this bizarre upside down world where it's like your life begins when you have babies like i had always grown up grown up hearing that your life ends when you have babies right wasn't that always the meme i don't know maybe you didn't weren't exposed to it but i certainly i lived in san francisco and and in san francisco it was very much like you know this is the when you have when you have babies like oh that's the end of your life and then you're broke and you're carrying around this this little thing that's pooping and you know pissing all over and crying all the time and it's like why would you do that you know continue making money and being awesome and doing all the cool things but no that's not the that's not the case at all like well, as- I imagine in San Francisco it was probably like babies cause climate change you know some bullshit like that yeah well, yeah well that that actually that that is actually that is actually the thing right it's like you know you should have you should have fewer babies and and protect the planet and you should continue you know chasing chasing hedonism for as long as possible and i you know i lived in san francisco for 20 years and and uh i'm very much a man who wanted to be a father but not in the relationship i was in that wasn't appropriate but i remember living that that lifestyle you know just drinking almost every night and i was never on antidepressants but all my friends were and all the cocaine and all the shit and it's just like where does this end being broke all the time eating at restaurants and no one questions no one questions any of it it's like this is just what we're supposed to do and we're better than everybody it's absolutely mental and so to discover the things that you're talking about about no your life begins when you have a child your life begins when you when you pick a partner and settle down that sounds really radical but it's how can something thousands of years old sound radical that's how twisted everything is yeah no it's it's doing doing that settling down finding a partner having a kid that that's writing in stone everything else is parchment that's awesome that's awesome like that that's how that's how that analogy works for me we can you know excavators whatever can dig up things written in stone from six seven eight whatever thousand years ago and it's perfect it's Mm -hmm. absolutely perfect and it works that's great (laughs) that's the sort of thing like i would have said i mean i get that for kids like there's a couple, there's a couple things you can do in life for which the consequences are in some sense, kind of 
I guess you might say permanent. And the two things that I can think of where that's the case that I'll name, because there are probably others, is committing a crime, like being convicted of a crime. That's something that gets, depending on the magnitude of the crime, and having a child, you know? But this is, I mean, so you say written in stone, like when you, but when you, hopefully you won't choose to commit a crime, like having a child is like, I'm bringing a life in, I mean, maybe you will, you know? And if if you're committed, if you're choosing to commit a crime and you're listening to my podcast, like write me, I want to have you on the podcast and find out (laughs) and have you anonymously. (laughs) But, uh, but when you have a child, it's like you take on this, and I'm not a father, um, working my way there, working my way there, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. When you do that, though, you bring a life into the world and you're you're responsible for that life. And it doesn't end when the life is like 18. I don't know that it's that simple. You know, like you're kind of responsible for that human life forever. Right. And you must feel that until you die. Yes. Yeah. And that's it. Like, it, and it doesn't. And my my old man, he. And I this trope is dumb, but like he did the best he could. Him and my mom got split up when I was young, had a stepdad, blah, 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 blah. Here's my sob story. No one's going to hear it. But uh, he did the best that he could. And he 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 did his best to try and make our relationship as neutral as possible as far as our exchanges and his values he was trying to instill in me and things like that to where I, I can I can see him as a friend. Now the downfall was is we became too friendly. And so I had to, I had to carve my own path as far as like, you know, standing my ground and, you know, all those different things that a young man should, he was also nine hours away. So that, that kind of didn't help the situation. So a lot of everything that I've become and the man I've become is because I've had to kick, fight, scratch, scream, claw my way through life. Um, without, a father figure directly present. Mm-hmm. Now I had a stepfather that didn't work out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started working when I was 14 with the, I think I, I think I got my first job. Um, I think it was two or three days after I turned 14 because in Idaho you can, you can have a job because the farm kids can work at 14. They can also drive at 14. Mm-hmm. So I, I used that. Um, started working at a fiberglass shop and I, I've had a gap in employment for a total of three months since I was 14. Wow. And I just, I just kept going. I was working full time all through high school Mm -hmm. while playing sports. I would like, I, I worked at Les Schwab, which I guess people not on the West coast will know what that is. That's a commercial tire, Goodyear, Michelin, Firestone, whatever. It's a tire shop. Um, I would go to work at between three or four in the morning mm. and I would go to school at seven, get out of school at like one thirty, and then go back to work until six o'clock every day. At 14. Uh, I, I got my last job job at 15, but I mean, that doesn't change much. It's the same age, really. <laughs> right, right, right. The same mentality. Um, yeah. So that was, I just started grinding my way through and figured out, figured out my own path. And on the way, I did the things you were talking about, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd and drugs and overdoses and hospital visits and all sorts of stuff. And you're right about it. And I, I never thought about it. When you get in that crowd, 
people are like, oh, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're better than everybody else because we're doing this. Like, get mm-hmm. fucked. You, you're all going to die. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I died twice mm-hmm. in the ER. Like, I, I, I know what's going to happen. Quit doing that. It's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good for you. Well, let's, let's talk about that stuff. I mean, I know that you and I talked about it when we connected on the phone, however long ago that was. And you told me some of those stories. But, you know, I think people need to know this because one of the things I've never really said about what this podcast is really about and what I wanted it to be about is it's about men who have transformed and to transform like changes outer change is something like when you move houses, you change, right? You can be the same guy in two different houses. But when you go through a process in life that forces you to make decisions about how you're going to show up in your day-to-day existence, that's transformation. And that can happen lots of different ways. Having a child is a transformative event because it transformed the way that you show up in the world, right? And so I wanted this podcast to be about men who have been, who have transformed and who have been transformed by life. Um, it's taken, it's taken its own unique path, but I think that theme has been present. And so I'm always really interested, interested to, to talk to men who have transformed or been transformed by the experiences of their lives, because I think we all have something to learn by that because it's an important part of life that isn't really talked about. So I'm interested to hear about that stuff. And I think men are interested to hear about that. Like you can't get there from here. You have to transform somehow. You can't be the man you want to be and just continue changing habits. You have to fundamentally reorient yourself inside that or have something reorient you forcibly. So that's happened to me, both of those. So it sounds like it's happened to you too. It has. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, I think on, on your point, having, having men who have transformed is the only way to go about this sort of movement. Because if you take men that haven't had that, you're, there's no content there. There's no substance. Those are men that you and I just look at kind of sideways and just go about our lives. You know, we, those are men you don't want to talk to. You don't even give them a nod. You don't really want to shake their hand. You can see him from 50, 60 yards away and know, okay, yeah, just by his gait, the way he holds his woman, the way he acts, the way he, everything, you, you know, like men know that. Yeah. And if you don't, you need to start reading character of people, Like you need to start now. It, it, it should have been being done years ago. You need to start reading situational characters of people because it's just going to get you into bad shit or situations you, you do not need to be in. <laughs> So anyway, back to what you were saying, transformative wise, I started doing drugs at 15, um, just like the normal, you hear it every day, smoking weed, doing coke, um, and that was fine. It was just kind of a, it was a party thing for a while. Um, and then it got to like my junior year of high school and I realized that I could make a lot of money like selling to all the preppy kids. So I was, I was the chameleon. I'm still a chameleon in my everyday life. Like I'll, I'll get along with anybody right. just to push my fucking buttons. Um, so I, I hung out with every crowd. I hung out with all the emo kids, hung out with the jock kids because I played sports too. I hung out with all the preppy kids and we had a bunch of rich kids in our school too. And so I always oversold to them, which is, they probably know by now, but I made a lot of money off of them. Yeah. Um, so I realized I could make a lot of money doing it. 
And then I obviously broke the golden rule and, you know, not supposed to try your own product sort of thing. Mm. So started getting heavier and heavier. Well, that I wasn't very good at school anyway. Didn't really like it. I don't like that sort of structure. Um, I realized at like age 12, 13, and I told you about this, that a majority of the shit I was being fed is all just indoctrinated propaganda bullshit mm-hmm. because of the church I was going to. Um, and then that, that in my mind translated to school, I was like, wait, who, who are you people to be telling me this? You know, like, how, how, how am I supposed to take this? Who are you? How, how did you get here that you're going to tell me this is the way I supposed to learn things or, you know, understand things, whatever it is. So I had this really big chip on my shoulder about that, uh, which, which didn't bode well for my grades by any means. And I wasn't good at school anyway. So, um, the day I was supposed to walk for graduation, the principal and I think it was the like the district superintendent something uh, they called me and like I had my gown on getting in the car with a bunch of my buddies wall just getting stoned as fuck right <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna walk and we're just gonna be assholes and we're gonna graduate well uh, she calls me she goes you're you're not walking you're not graduating oh, and I was like what you know, and I was like, "What? What's going on?" She was like, "You have a one point eight. Why? Who? Who graduates with a one point eight? Uh, me. And, <laughs> yeah." And I was like, "Me." You know, um, <laughs> and so I was like, "Look, like, and and every everyone knew that I sold drugs. Everyone knew that I provided drugs. To everybody, including our school um, police officer, oh, it, all the all the all the faculty, everything. They knew it, but I just did it in like a professional manner. You know, I wasn't stabbing people." You know, I just, here you go, you know, here's a little bump and I, you know, I did it, I did it super nice. Um, so I never got in trouble for it, which is looking back. I'm like, God, I, I would have punched myself in the fucking face if I was that security officer, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, so I was like, what do I need to do to graduate? And she's like, if you can crank me out an essay of why you think you should graduate, you can graduate. Oh, and I was like, okay. So I wrote it. I remember I wrote it on the dashboard of a 1999 Saturn, like SL2, right? Those ones that had the suicide doors. Yeah. Because you can like change a baby on the size of that dashboard. It's huge. And so I, I, I just cranked out this essay while we were driving there. It was like a 15 minute drive. Cranked it out, walked in and I was like, here, read this. And so they sat down. There was like five of them that read it. Um, and one of the I don't even remember. He, he was my football coach for like two years. He ended up becoming like the vice something, vice principal, vice CEO or whatever it was. Um, and he was like, all right, yeah, I, I can take this. And as a, I think I was, I was 18 at this point, all these faculty members around, he stood up and he went to shake my hand and I grabbed his head and I kissed him on the mouth. And I said, I knew it was going to be you. And I, I went back into the seats. <laughs> 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 so they let me graduate but just barely <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah that's, that's, they didn't even have second thoughts like we were probably glad this <laughs> let him graduate we don't <laughs> we can't want to deal with this guy for another get year. him the fuck out of here we don't want to see him next year <laughs> exactly he might kiss me again <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, so those those are some wild years. Um, but I graduated <laughs> just barely. Um, I moved back home ish to the Portland area. Uh, most of my family is from the Washington, the Southwest Washington coast, as well as the Northwestern 
uh, coast of Oregon. Uh, moved over there for a while. Um, had a couple yeah. sales jobs doing random bullshit. So I don't want to interrupt. That's where you grew up, was in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Uh, sort of. Yeah, I mean that was the that was the major metro area. That was two and a half hours away. I grew up in uh, Long Beach in Ilwaco, Washington. Um, there's a couple little towns around there: Chinook, Nacelle, Astoria. Most people know of. That was like 40 minutes away. Um, that's where I grew up. That's where my family's from. In like a 1,200 square mile radius, there's like 800 people. It's it's just a vast expanse of just northwestern evergreen jungle, and there's not a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a good thing I'm not there because I would have been a logger, or I would have worked at the canneries that a majority of my family still works on. They they either log or they work at canneries. That that's about it. Mm-hmm. And so you know, fishing or cutting down trees. That's that's all they really had going for them. Or they just end up being beach trash, which is what we call them, and they just stay there and end up getting hooked on whatever and just living out their lives. So I'm glad I'm not there. There's a couple of them that have made it, but the majority of them didn't. Um, so I, I was over there for, I don't know, like a year and didn't get clean. I was still using like crazy. Um, came back, hadn't seen a couple of friends in that amount of time, but I also hadn't done cocaine in that amount of time. A buddy I hadn't seen in a while was like, hey, come over, you know, let's hang out play some video games, just get wrecked. And I was like, that sounds great. Um, wasn't great. I ended up ODing, had a heart attack. Um, I was able, I was in cardiac arrest and I was able to hop out of the vehicle, whatever it was that I got driven there in. I was able to hop out of the vehicle, stumble my way, bash into the like automatic doors and I got out my social security card and my driver's license and I slammed it on the counter at the ER. But as I was doing that, I passed out and I smashed my face on the counter. Mm. So I was bleeding profusely out of my face because <laughs> it hit me on my nose bridge. And so I was just bleeding everywhere. So I passed out. They got me up, put me in the wheelchair and uh, threw me on the table. And this nurse who looked like an MMA fighter, like the heavyweight version, I mean, he had been pushing three bills. He was like six five. He hopped on top of my chest, both feet, with one of the the rubber medical bands on my left arm, and just started slamming my arm and my head back and forth while compressing his feet on my chest. So I ended up dying that time because mm-hmm. uh, he was trying to get me not to die. Didn't work. Um, I died. That was wild. Um, we should probably get into that, I guess, because people um, are going to listen I, I to this. Like that. that sounds that sounds like something <laughs> I'd like to talk about. Um, and then I, I woke up uh, a couple hours later, and they were, and it was like I don't know, it, it felt like days later, but it was the same day. Um, woke up, they they shot me up with something. I'm pretty sure it was out of van. Um, and I don't know, they put too much in. I don't know, flatlined again, and that wasn't cool. And I haven't done any drugs since then. I've been, I've been clean since then. That sounds like a, a reasonable response. Yeah. No, it, it, it wasn't good. Um, dying's wild, y'all. Don't, don't do it if you don't have to. That's, that's KJ's hot take on that. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> that's, 
And this has been a great podcast. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what did we learn today, everybody? Don't just don't die. <laughs> just, just don't die, fucker. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's your it's wild. Yeah, that's your pep talk. Yeah, I, I and I talked to you about it too. It's um the and I, I don't know if it's just me. I haven't ever talked to anybody else that that's had that sort of same experience. The 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 men, there's a there's a chunk in my brain that always feels like it's dying. Oh yeah, I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, just just all the time. There's there's something in my brain that knows that feeling and know it knows that sensation. Um, and it, it's all it's ever present. It's always there, all the time, twenty four hours a day. It it just knows, and so and, and it's not a conscious thing. It's a subconscious thing, and it just sometimes it flares up like, hey. I know what it's like to die. Just letting you know. And then it goes away. And it's really, really weird. It's really a weird thing. It just reminds you of that fact or that's like, it's this thought. Yeah. Like some other part it, of it, talking to you or like, oh my God, I died that one time. No, it, it's not even like, I know that that happened. It's that my, my body like reminds me, you know, it, it's, it's the, it, it reminds me of that feeling and that sensation just randomly. And it's because my, I think, and I, I don't know the science, I'm obviously no doctor, but I think it's because my brain has experienced that probably mm-hmm. just a massive lack of oxygen. And it just killed probably, I don't know, three quarters of my brain. Y'all are hearing me talk. So probably three quarters. Um, <laughs> it just, it just yeah. annihilates whatever part of that brain or human beings are evolved enough to where there's a truncated part of our brain that always knows that. And it just has to be unlocked. Right. Oh, there's the flip side of the coin. Possible. That's possible. Well, so, so when it occurs for you, how does it occur? Like, is it like, cause okay. Like if you were drowning for, for example, like imagine that I mean, I'll, I'll imagine that if I had almost drowned once that the sense memory of drowning, God forbid would always come back at some point And I would just suddenly wake up and feel like, Oh my gosh, remember that one time I was drowning. Is it like that? Or is it some part of your brain? is it like reminds you in some sensory way like hey you died that one time like is it more like is it a felt sense or is it like an actual like present memory or like what's actually going on inside when that happens and how often does it happen it is it is a it is a felt sense that that the best way i can put it is my brain reminds me that there's a release oh whoa that's heavy right yeah that that's the that's the best way i can put it just just all the time it's like hey you know um you can just die instead and i'm like fuck (laughs) and then i have to move about my day (laughs) (laughs) not helpful brain (laughs) that's that's okay as soon as you said that as soon as you said that really that really landed like that's Cause that's the big question, right? Like that's the big, that's the big question that lives inside all of us is like, what happens when you die? And you actually know to, to some degree, right. And, and the memory of the brain's tension of existence, which I talked about in my Hamlet podcast, which you've listened to, which I, yeah, is like, yeah, no, you can, you can just let go. Well, that's, that's absolutely wild. How do you live with that? You, you just keep fucking hard charging. That's all you can do, man. That's and that may that may be that may be my whole to be or not to be thing 
is that I know what it's like. And so therefore I'm going to reject it at all costs. That may be it. Reject. I haven't put it down. I'm just going to just, I know what it's like to die. So instead I'm going to just be as hard as I can in every aspect that I can as much as possible mm. versus the latter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I don't know. It, it, it's a weird brain space to have. I, I hope one day I find somebody else that's like, yeah, I flatlined three times on the gurney. And I'll be like, holy shit, you're excited about it as I am. Let's talk about it. You know, but I, I don't know. Hopefully one day because it's, it, it's, it's wild, man. But that was my transformative thing. That's, that's what made me, you know, and you're better with words than I am. That, that's what made me unfuck myself. Um, and I didn't, it's not like it happened, you know, overnight. I stopped doing drugs overnight. I was in the hospital, I think, for five days. Um, but I, I haven't, I haven't done drugs since I got out, and I immediately cut ties with everyone. Wow. Um, that everybody, everybody. I, I didn't have a phone at that time because I, I hate having phones. I still hate having phones. Me too. Um, the, the, I think the silver lining of it was is that most people thought that I died because the rumor mill started. Well, and you did die, but you just came back. Um, I've, yeah, I've known my wife uh, since our freshman year. We never dated in high school or anything. We're just, you know, friends, whatever. Um, she hadn't talked to her in two years at that point since we graduated. And I had Facebook at that time. And so it was four or five months after I'd gotten out of the hospital. I was like, all right, I'm going to hop back on Facebook, you know, maybe, maybe talk to some people. And she immediately pinged me and she was like, you're alive. <laughs> and I was like, hey, yeah. You know? Wow. Uh, yeah. So it, it, that, that kind of worked out in my favor is that it, 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 it forcibly separated me from, from the circles I was engaging in the, those people and everything else. Um, and obviously my life's, you know, clearly 180 degrees better than it ever would have been if I would have kept on that path because I would have just actually died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get a sense of, I mean, that's a, that's a hard right turn, right? You, like you go through something like that. Well, it wouldn't necessarily be for everybody because I'm sure that there are plenty of people for all kinds of reasons that make decisions that take them past the point of death and then they come back for whatever reason they can't handle it or don't handle it. And then they don't make changes in their lives. But obviously you did like, what were some of the changes? Like, okay, so, so walk me through, you know, you're at the experience, you're at the hospital, you know, you go through, you die twice, you leave the hospital, you come home. It's the first day where you're back at home. Like what's changing for you? Like put me back into that mindset for you. Oof, I don't know if I've jumped into that mindset in a while. Um, the, the very first thing is somebody already said is that I was never going to talk to anyone ever again about anything. That, that was like my very first thing is like, I'm, I'm done engaging. Like I'm, I'm keeping myself in my shell. If I want to come out, I will. Mm-hmm. That lasted mm-hmm months that that lasted a long time and that and that was just that was me being you know overly protective of myself because you know i just died um and i didn't i didn't want i didn't want any outside influence to 
direct me any way unless it was of my own volition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I've always had just, I mean, you know, you heard the high school story. So I've always had this giant, just fuck you about me. Just that that's just how I've been because unless you can tell me otherwise, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Period. The end. There's no, there's no getting me off that hill. Like if you can physically stop me from doing it, try. If you can convince me to stop doing it, great. But other than that, I'm, if my mind is about something, I'm doing it. There's no in-betweens about it. Um, and so I wanted to, I always had it and I just had to find out that, okay, that this, this is what I'm about. I'm a, I'm about me and my goals and my accomplishments. And, and this is something I need to do. And I sucked at school, but I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. And I always knew that. So I had to figure out, okay, I'm not dumb, but you know, what, what am I good at? What am I smart at? What it, and I realized that I'm, I'm good and smart at a bunch of different stuff. So I just started, and we talked about this before, I just started dabbling in a lot of stuff. Um, ended up going to a community college for oof, just under two years. And that was right as the wokeness was starting. Mm. Uh, I started in like 2008. So, <clears throat> you know, who was in office then? Um, and um, that, that started to spill into the curriculum there. So I, I wrote it out as much as I could. And then I was like, yeah, all you can pound sand, I'm going to leave. Plus I was working 55 hours a week anyway. So it was getting really, it, it was a struggle trying to do the school thing and actually do good at it as well as trying to keep food in my belly and a roof over my head. Um, yeah, it, it got wild for a while, but you know, that, that is the, the main thing that I was thinking about is just like, how, how am I going to better myself? How, how am I going to get out of this? And that, that took, that took months for me to figure out that I just need to start doing everything as hard as I possibly can. Wow. So I hope, I hope that helps someone listen to this, man. Like drugs are fun. I get it. Just don't let it rule you. I mean, I don't, and that's the thing. Like, I don't care if people do drugs. You can do whatever the hell you want. But when you let it actually lead your decisions, that's when it gets tricky. That's when it gets slippery. Um, and I did that, and I lived it. And it's 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 not good for you, folks. It's it's bad. Like you you have to. I mean, everything in moderation. Obviously, like we can talk about that. Like you know, we can talk about this with sugar or you know whatever else. But I mean stuff that'll kill you will end up just controlling you. So I don't know that that's my sage words of wisdom for anybody listening. Like do it small, do with people you actually trust. Like if, if you're around people that you wouldn't trust to defend your life or to take a bullet for you, get the fuck out right now. We're well, we're well past that in this society, especially over the course of the last two years. If you are surrounding yourself, with people that you know you wouldn't take a life for or wouldn't take a life for you, fucking leave. Just go. Just get out. It's You need to start leveling up. Find people that are about you as much as you are about them. Yep. I agree. I agree. I think all these things, you know, we're playing by 2021 rules. And 2021 rules are not 2019 rules. Things that were acceptable, passable, you know, that you could get by with, in 2019 
you can't get away with in 2021 anymore. Sorry, rules have changed. And um, I, I know that the men that we know recognize that. Um, but I don't know that, I know that the, for sure that there are people who don't. And that's a real shame. Like they're just waiting for things to get back to normal. Like, no, no, normal as, as in terms of what we understood, you know, say in January or February 2019 or 2020, ain't coming back. We're either going up or down. There's no return. Normal, normal is in its infancy of being reborn right now. And you're either going to be on the right side of it or you're going to be on the wrong side of it. There, there's, there's, unfortunately, there's no gray area anymore. And, you know, and we've talked about this and most, I, I hope that most people understand this as far as in the, in the simplest root form of it, they wanted this, that that's what they wanted. They didn't want there to be a middle ground because middle ground means people can meet and shake. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. If there's a middle ground, that's where you can stand on opposite sides of the line and shake hands and talk about it. That's when you have your Christmas truce in world war one and the Germans and the Americans get together and have, have Christmas dinner together because they're just there being grunts. They don't know why they're there and they're just getting shelled every day. When you have a middle ground, that's when you can have your divisions start to be healed. They don't want that. They want it to be entirely separated whatsoever. And unfortunately it's gotten to that point where there is no recovery of it. There's we're, we're to the point where you, you need to stand, you need to be loud, you need to grow your circle and you need to do everything you can to be as prepared. Whatever your version of preparedness is, to live your life to its fullest extent while rejecting anything that is going to deter you from that. I agree. I totally agree. And that's why, you know, the, the thing that's been up today, it's not up every day, but some days it's up more than others. And it was definitely up today is this whole vaccine thing, right? It's just like, there's no more clean fucking cut thing. There's no middle ground. Like you're not, you're not, you're not a little bit putting a needle into your skin. You know, like you either did it or you didn't, you know, you can have, you can have spectrum of gray on politics, music, whatever, but like, you're not a little bit pregnant, you know, you're just, you're pregnant or not, you know what I mean? And I don't need to even mean to link those two things. And I almost regret that I did, but you get what I mean that like, there's a, there's a line there. And like, you know, for anyone listening, like that ain't happening for me. And I think the same is probably true for you. And hopefully no one listening to this podcast is like, yeah, yeah, no, I got the Pfizer one. You know, it's pretty cool. You know, it's a little bit sore in my brain. <laughs> hopefully no one listening to like, and if you are like, why are you listening to my podcast? You're listening to the wrong podcast. Like yeah. go fucking listen to the wrong podcast. Also, don't tell me you did your research. You are the fucking research. That's right. That's right. You are. <laughs> that there's, it's, it, it's all just, it's all bad folks. Don't fucking do it. Well, let's, let's get into this now because you know, the, the topic has been invoked and the topic is ultimately sovereignty. Like I'm not going to get into the issue of whether it's medically say get into the weeds of, of that or not, because we can, but you know, you and I, right. it's, it's not profitable. Yeah. The issue is whether to me, the issue is whether the social contract, this is what it comes down to. Does the government state, does the corporate state apparatus fascism, by the way, does the corporate state apparatus have the right to access my bloodstream in order to participate in the right to inject substances into my bloodstream in order for me to participate in the social contract? That's the deal. In order for you to have everything we offer, we need to have access to put things into your bloodstream, not to take them out. And I had to deal with this distinction because it's like, well, when you go apply for a job, they make you take a drug test. So that's accessing your bloodstream, but that's taking stuff out. 
that's very different from putting stuff in. So if the social contract involves putting things into my bloodstream. Yeah, 100%. And I'll, I'll make it even just even just as base as possible, just even simpler. Does the government have the right to do this? No. Even better, does the government have a right to exist? Fuck them. No, it does not. No, no one, no one has the right to rule over another man other than if I choose, hey, Will's a really strong leader, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow him. I didn't vote for it. You did that by your actions. You know, that, that sort of thing. I mean, we can look through history. This, this, that trope repeats itself a million times, right? Pick a civilization. That, that's how it happened. But big government, like it is right now, is always going to be either an oligarchy, authoritarian, fascism, whatever it is, it is always going to keep its thumb on the people because that's the only way that it exists. As soon as you stop and think like, wait, I'm giving it power? The answer is obviously yes. We've been doing it for, you know, really hard, really hard for the last, I would say, 70 years, right? Like a solid 70 years. Like post-World War II, it really kicked from throttle. Yep. Um, and just this constant feat of power, as soon as you realize like, wait, I can just not believe in any of that and just go about my life and completely disregard it. Fuck yeah, you can. Yeah. And if more people do it, then it just goes away. It just, it just fucking goes away. Yeah. There's so many just actual people. And especially in this country who are very well armed that just go about their lives. Like the federal government never ever has a, have has any impact on my life ever whatsoever it, it doesn't i don't i don't believe that it exists it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me i don't do anything for it it's it's nonsensical it's worthless i don't just stop feeding it power especially now like if you're paying your taxes right now fuck all right you didn't see 2020 Did, were you there yeah. were you listening like you're going to pay money for that system fucking a that's that's some weird dissonance right there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I, I pay taxes, but you know, it's just because I need to not be fighting a battle against not paying taxes right now, which is really all it is. Like that says something in and of itself. You know what I mean? It's like, as you know, I recognize that, well, the tax protest argument is very, very valid. And once you actually start looking into things like maritime law and, you know, names in all caps. And, you know, do you even have the right to summon a government out of nothingness? And how do you get consent for that? That's a head trip, man. It is a head trip, deep deprogramming. And, you know, what I come down to is ultimately, I think some people like they're just not capable of getting there. They're not understanding how it's possible to live in society that isn't enforced by some third party authoritarian rule. They're just not capable of doing it. And that's the saddest thing not for them. I think I think not capable wouldn't be the right term for it. I think they're capable of doing it, which is why all these pilled movements came about, right? Gold pilled, white pilled, black pilled, red oh, pilled, yeah, blue yeah, pilled, yeah, yeah. right? Like it, it's to try and, you know, engage this awareness and this deep thought about people of whatever, whatever the, you know, the, the niche is. Um, and I, I think that for some people it may work, right? But I think it's like a drug for a lot of people too. Like it actually is to pill to where they get way too wrapped up in that, that certain vein. And that's all they think about. Yes. And that, that's all, that's all their whole life revolves around is like, well, I'm taking this pill and this is what I'm doing. Well, there's, there's, unfortunately we don't live in a cut and dry world. <laughs> I, I wish is, I wish upon all my wishes that we did. So that way I could sit down just like I am right now 
and just very clearly and plainly say to people, here's the truth. Here's what's actually happening. Go about your lives accordingly, knowing this knowledge. Mm -hmm. But no people, you tell them things, they digest it. They hear exactly what you're saying. What they understand is so far different from what you actually said once they process it. Yes. <laughs> Thousand percent. Well, they, yeah. they, don't to, they don't know how to process anything outside of their mental frameworks. That's the hardest part is like, I'm using very plain and simple language to explain something to you, not you, you, but, and it's like, you're viewing what I say through the lens of your ideology. And that's the hardest part because you can't reach them through the ideology. Like the ideology has taken possession of them and they're no longer capable of seeing you as a human being. You see, they see you as what I say as a heretic to their religion. And they have many different religions, whether that religion be statism, whether that religion be the science or whether that religion be social justice. It's just like, these are all the religions that people see through that they don't understand have taken possession of them. And so those of us who are like, no, I want to relate to you as a human being are absolutely get fucked. You know, it's terrible. It's the most heartbreaking thing. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing too. Like as much as I actually don't like humans, it, it's more of a, I don't like them because it, it's so difficult to do what we're talking about. That's the only reason why H human beings in general are e extremely interesting creatures mm -hmm. just all around the board. Right. And do right now, especially like a majority of them make horrible choices and have these just absolutely bent ideologies. Yeah. But what you were saying reminded me of, I, I had this philosophy class and they were, they were talking about the root because all philosophy is, is learning how to argue. That, that's all it is. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's it. You, you, you have these stances and you have these ideas and whatever this knowledge is, and you have to learn to argue them at a point to where people understand it some way. Yes, that's the practice of philosophy, but maybe not the goal. Yes, for sure. Uh, the, and they, they were talking about the, the hardest things to change about humans as far as mentally. And there was like, a, like a, a bracketed list, and it was like ideology, mannerisms, uh, beliefs, and you know, something else are, are the, you know, and it was like, a, this is X percent hard, this is Y percent hard. You know, these are the easiest things to change. Uh, and ideology was one of the hardest ones to change. Wow. I see that. I see that because you have to get someone to recognize they even have an ideology. Like you point out to someone, their mannerisms, like, Hey, did you notice that when you do X, like you, you fold your napkin and certainly like, no, I never realized that I don't do that. Well, look, I just recorded you doing that. Like that's one thing, but like to recognize that these are the conceptual blinders that you're perceiving your whole reality through. Yeah, that's hard for sure. That's hard. Yeah, I think I think the biggest question that that I, that I wish people would ask themselves, and it's funny, Pacific Northwest Gorilla just just posted it <laughs> yesterday, um, and and you and I have talked about it. If if people just sat down and honestly could could get inside of themselves and just ask themselves, what is reality, mm -hmm. and just go ahead and chalk six hours of your day away right there, if you can actually sit down without anything else on your mind and just, you know, focus on your breathing and just ask, ask yourself, what is reality? You're, you're going to be blown away. That will change you that, and it has to, there is no other, there is, there is no other path. If you're actually honestly asking yourself that 
it, it will change. There, there's only one course of action. You have to go through that. You, you, you have to, you know, you just fight your way through it. That's the gauntlet. Here you are. Mm-hmm. And you're going to come out of that one way or the other. So you're, you're going to, you're going to find some vein that you never thought you were supposed to be in mentally or ideologically. And that is going to translate into your physical world. That's going to translate to your actions and into your day to day and how you treat people and how you receive things and understand the world and everything else. I found myself wondering how many people are actually capable. And when I say capable, like that question, like what is reality? There's a bunch of different aspects to it. Like it sounds really simple, but you have to answer the question on your mental level, which is the way the question is received. But it's actually also an emotional question and it's a physical question and it's a, it's a spiritual question. And it's also like a soul purpose question. Like, it's not a simple question. Like what is reality? Like this is the Stephen Hawking's or the Brian Greens. Like, well, reality is just an illusion created by quantum fluctuations in the gravity. It's like, well, that's not a fucking satisfying answer. Like, but it's not wrong. It's just incomplete. And how many people are actually in the, you know, the slot machine casino world of social media are actually going to sit down and have the attention span to think that to think through that question exactly that's that is the fifth tier meme of questions right there (laughs) it's gonna it's it's gonna engage in all sorts of in, in just in ways you never even thought were possible because you're you're not cognitively thinking about it you you've never tried to tap that sort of your spirit or your mind or your physical body or anything else but I think it's important. I think it's very important, especially for men right now, to realize like, hey, I, I, I have literally a certain set of skills on this planet and either I can get more or I can be really fucking good at the ones that I have. And if you aren't doing either, get the fuck up, get off your couch, do, stop doing whatever you're doing, either hone in on the skills that you have and become a master of them. Or, and if you are already, go fucking learn more. Like there's time. There's always time. Always time. There is always time. There's always time for a restart. There is always time to learn something new. There is always time to master something different. I didn't get to where I was because someone was like, here you go. I fucking grinded and I learned and I read book after book after book and I fucking failed. I failed hard. I failed so much trying to do this homestead stuff. Like there's a point, there's multiple points. I was like, fuck, I'm done. Like I, like, I don't know if I can do this. This is happening. This is happening. And all these expenses and this and this. Didn't give up. Just kept grinding. Kept grinding. And it's it, sometimes it ain't pretty. Like, I know Instagram is supposed to look all pretty and all that. No, fuck that. Like, I, like last year alone, I lost 13 chickens um, to two separate foxes, uh, which I still have not killed. Uh, they've evaded all of my traps because they are the size of my black lab. So they didn't get that big because they're stupid. <laughs> they got that big because they know how to avoid traps and everything else. So like, that's just, that's just one example. Like it's there, there's loss and there's failure and there's heartache and there's all these downs. But if you know, actively, if you're always actively having in your mind that you know that you're going to fucking fail at something, you'll be fine you'll be perfectly fine. Hey, I failed. Cool. Guess what? You learned how to not do that thing. Mm-hmm. Do it different next time. It's really simple. And everybody makes it out to be this, you know, you need to learn to do this and you have to have this specialty skills and, you know, whatever it is in life. You, you got 
all these things. You have to have all these inputs and plugins and everything else. Like, no, just fucking go do it. Just go do it. And if you suck at doing it, get better. You'll get better by sucking at doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I may have a really raw outlook on life. And yeah. that's, that, that's me. That's, that's, I don't know. That's how I got where I am. Like a, I raw dog life. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's really, really important because I've been through a phase in a previous part of my life where I felt like I couldn't make progress until I had all the things, you know, I was trying to be a music producer when I lived in San Francisco and the way the music industry works is, um, the, the way, the, the way the music industry exists, I should say, um, is primarily in, in, through convincing low-level producers such as myself that in order to be successful, they have to buy a lot of shit. When the reality is the ones who really make a lot of successful music are the ones who are so freaking compelled that they will make music on an Atari 2600 with banging some chopsticks on something and they'll just record it and it'll be brilliant. Like those are the ones, those are the artists that really make things go. But for everyone who isn't those artists, and of course there are many, uh, and I was one of them, they get sold this, if you just buy the right thing, have the right software, then you'll be awesome, right? And I, I, that's, the, that's the trap that I got caught in that I finally extracted myself from. Like, oh wow, this was a really terrible idea now. But if you were to get rid of all those people, the music industry would probably collapse because it's the people who you know, are in that well that support all the software companies and stuff. So that's, that's marketing, right? Okay. So what you're talking about, you know, and when you were discussing it, I thought about Pacific Northwest, Pacific Northwest Gorilla as well. Where it's like, you see these guys that are obviously masters at what they do. Like, I don't know who this guy is, but like, he seems pretty legit to me, you know? And it's like, so they're talking about from their perspective of this is what I've accomplished over 10, 15, 20 years, who knows, worth of practice at something. And these are all the tools that I use, but I've earned the right to use those tools. Same for you. You've earned the right to use dozens, hundreds, who knows, of different tools because you raw dogged life. It wasn't it wasn't like you waited until you had the tools until you got started, you know? And that's that's sometimes really really difficult is for someone who's at square zero to say like, "Well, what do I need to get started?" And they look at someone like you or or any master like, "Well, they have all this all the tools. I must need all the tools." They're mistaking the tools for the practice. And that's really easy to do in a capitalistic society. It's all about selling you shit. Yeah, it's and that's that's just an age old thing. That what is it? The cart before the horse. Yeah. Right. Is that what it? That that's it. Yeah. That's it right there. There's, and I think I think that that saying has lived the thousands of years it has for this exact reason. Like you, you need to have those bedrock things in place before you can you know walk before you sprint, sort of thing. You know. Mm -hmm it's it's really simple and i just the the culture that we're in has tried and tried and tried as hard as it can to make people complacent enough to where they think like oh well if i just get all this shit i can just eat my cheese balls sit on my couch like a fucking ham planet and just watch netflix and everything's gonna be fine like no fuck you get the fuck up you're you're not living you are merely experiencing life you are not living life Mm -hmm. and you cannot tell me i'm wrong I don't, whoever is listening to this, you cannot fucking prove me wrong. You are not living life. You are experiencing it from a third party. Mm-hmm. I agree. They will, in fact, and it's, 
Yeah, it, it, it's bad, man. I, I don't, it, it, and it's starting to get worse. And, and, and it's really sad to see as far as like, you know, taking myself out of the picture and, you know, my ideology and my beliefs and, you know, the path that I'm on. If I'm just taking a 10,000 foot view of it, it's gross. Mm-hmm. It is just disgusting. It, it, it is actually makes me ill inside to see what has happened to humanity. And this is a Renaissance of Men podcast. And here we are talking about the absolute vileness of humanity. And it's relevant. And that is sad. I agree. I fully agree. Oh, man. Like, I'm really fortunate in that I have around me men like you who are men of the Renaissance, who are transforming themselves, who are growing, who are evolving, who, who are changing, who are challenging their preconceived notions and challenging their communities and going through the hard acts of sacrifice of the things they need to let go of to move forward. I'm really, really fortunate to have men around me like that daily. But this weekend, I, you know, I flew to Austin to meet a special someone and uh, big smiles. Uh, and, you know, I had to go interact with everyday average humanity at the airports. And it's like, uh, it's, a, it's a tragedy. I, like there's one guy who's present in my mind like the guy was quite literally a ham planet. Like he was enormous. In fact, his belly was so big, it was hanging out of his shirt down to like the middle, the middle of his thighs, like this flesh, you know what I mean? And he had a mask over his face. Like, who, like, and for, okay. So first of all, to be completely compassionate to this guy, to this human being, at some point in this man's life, he went through traumas that absolutely wrecked him and that he felt i'm speculating but seems pretty reasonable that the way that he could cope with those traumas and that violence that was done to him god knows what it was was to shield himself in as much fat as possible so that he'd never be harmed again like that's a that's a that's a that's a reasonable psychological response like if i cover myself in so many layers no one can hurt me like that's the kind of thing and no one ever called him on it i'm just going to say that that his response was not because oh man, I just like Cheetos and I'm just going to eat them until I blow up. It's like, it's some, it's some trauma kind of response because that's not irrational. Like it's the brain acting irrational. That aside, as I look at this and it's like, I'm not the same as that guy. I don't, and I don't know how I, how that man and I, and many of the other men and women that I saw in the airports, how are we even supposed to live in the same world? And, and I'm really fortunate to not have to interact with that world on a regular basis because I work from home and I have awesome guys around me all the time, men and women who are all pushing forward. And I just don't know how this, how this works itself out, which is why I focus on the Renaissance. It's like those of us men who are in this flow, this time flow are going towards some rebirth. And that's all I can think about. I can't think about what's going to happen to homeboy at the airport. Like, I just don't have, I can't even no, run the numbers on no, that. You don't, you don't have the wavelengths for it. Right. And, and, and you're fortunate enough to not have to be involved in it. And, and I live in a pretty, I mean, and I've said it before, like to you and the dudes in the chat, like I, I live in the American readout. There's a reason that that, that New York Times author labeled Idaho, Montana, um, Nevada, or sorry, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and then Eastern Oregon, Eastern Washington as the American readout. Eastern Oregon and Eastern Washington are Idaho. They identify as us. They vote like us. They have the same mentalities as us. It's that I-5 corridor on the coast 
that's all the libtards. Um, the American readout? Readout, like re Oh, I readout. Okay, yeah, the American, like, middle finger, yeah. Yep. Um, and it's, fortunately, I live here. We're fiscally sound. We're just everything. There, there's a reason that that exists, because all, all three of those main, main, main states, Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana, if we were to actually secede, it would fucking work. Mm-hmm. People just need to nut up and do it because mm-hmm. we're sound enough to do it monetarily. We can throw off the shackles of the federal government and just get it done and we'd be fine. Right. But uh, you have the influx of, um, let's just call them West Coasters that move here to escape their systems and then they bring their politics with them which that happens a lot of places in the u.s right now but um unfortunately like idaho and utah are getting hit really really hard um so yeah i'm I'm fortunate enough to live somewhere free enough to where i don't have to worry about as much of uh the mask tardiness and things like that there's one actual blue city here and it's our capital city of course oh of course right um they like to think they're woke and everything like that um, they, their BLM tried to have a protest here once, once, uh, it was, it was like, I think it was in October of last year, maybe September. It was in September. Um, and they're like, yeah, we're going to Boise and we're going to do this. Well, there ended up being like 16,000 dudes with rifles just standing downtown and they're like, Oh, this is a bad idea. And it lasted like an hour. <laughs> I've got really close friends in Coeur d'Alene and, uh, they're the friends who baptized me. And so I was there, I think just after that happened and they were telling me, um, they were telling me like, yeah, there was a BLM protest and people showed up with rifles and the protest didn't last very long. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you're, you're not in, you're, you're not where you think you are. Yeah. You, you, you go on the back, you go back on the bus that you got busted in on and you just, you just get the fuck out. That's yeah. Yeah. It, just, yeah. We, we don't play that game. Um, and I didn't show up to those things because I don't like to, you know, put myself in the line of any sort of fire. That's, you know, pro tip for you guys. Mm. Um, don't do that. But I don't, w- when I go to, like when I go to work, um, I, I do my best to call people out as politely as I can because, because I still have to maintain my job. Like my boss will listen to this too. Like he listens to your podcast because I turned him on to it. <laughs> so he'll listen to it. He knows. Okay, good boss. Nice. Thank you for um, the podcast. No, he and he fully knows what I'm about and everything. Like I don't. There's only one KJ, and I know I've told you that, and my wife knows that, and everything. And most of my friends are that. They, you get one of me. That's good. it. Praise there's, God. There, there's no, there's no other variation. Like I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm thinking, exactly the truth, and exactly what you probably don't want to hear at all times. Mm-hmm. And I, I will do it in a way that is palatable as much as I can. And if it's not, well, sorry, like that, that there's, I don't, I don't have anything else to give you. I'm going to give you all of me and all of the truth. And if you cannot stomach it, well, uh, like Devin said, choke, like there, there's no, there's no other in-betweens. So like I'll call people out for wearing a mask. We had, um, we had a couple come in that bought from us and I, I tried to poke them. <laughs> so they they came in immediately like they came in wearing masks right and no one really does around here there's i mean it's a 
very, very small few amount of people that actually wear masks around here. Okay. And when they do, everyone just stares at them that isn't wearing a mask just to make it feel like shit. Like I can see it. Like I'll look around in the supermarket or else they just stare at people and you know, you see the gaze avert and everything else. Um, but they came in and so I immediately stuck out my hand to shake, shake the husband's hand. And I was like, Hey, nice to meet you. And he was like, Oh, and I said, Oh, Oh no. Oh, you don't do that. Oh yeah. Right. Cause the mask gotcha. Okay. Well, let's go look at your trailer. Uh, and so as we're walking out there, I was like, Hey, we're going to get in your trailer. I'm going to be standing like three feet from you. You know that, right? And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. And I was like, Oh, okay. Cause that makes sense. So we hopped in. Um, and, and the, it, like, it was a simple little repair. Um, and the, the wife ended up being really close to me and she said, Hey, if you can fix this, I'll give you a high five. And I said, well, I can fix this. And so I I held up my hand and she gave me a high five. And so I looked around the window and I said, you see that? She just gave me a high five, bro. And he went, what, what? <laughs> and she was like, she was like, honey, calm down, calm down. We're both vaccinated. And I said, wait a fucking second. Oh, Jesus. You guys are both vaccinated. Oh, You're Jesus. still wearing masks oh. and we're doing this bullshit. And she just deadpan stared me. And I said, you guys are out of your mind. Like this makes no sense. You understand the fallacies you just told me, right? And she kind of just looked at me and I said, okay, let's just keep, you know, we're just going to keep going through the, your service thing. All right, we're, we're done. Like that. And that was, I try as much as I can to be like palatable about it. Like people will come in with a mask into my shop and most of them, like they're elderly people and I get it right. You're elderly. Totally different. You, yeah. You want to protect yourself. That's fine. I, I don't call you out. You're fine. Like if I can tell you're over 60 years old, I won't say a fucking word. I not nothing about it. Completely. All right. Go for it. Um, yeah. So technical mishaps. Hi, everybody. We have elderly people come in with masks on. And fortunately, because of where I live, they, they immediately ask, like, hey, do we actually need these? No, you don't. If you want to wear them, fine. You're elderly. I get it. Um, I'm just I'm just fortunate enough to live in. I don't I, I don't call it insulated, I guess. It, it's just kind of the last bastion of freedom up here. Like there's no one actually cares and life just goes on. Like we just, everybody just does what they're doing and it doesn't really affect anything. And then all of a sudden you go somewhere and you see some dude wearing a mask and a face shield and everybody just laughs at him. It's like a dream. That's like a dream. I just, I don't understand the fear. I don't get it. Like how deep into, how deep into the media do you have to be to believe that this is a real thing that's actually threatening you or that you're some sort of walking biohazard who might affect somebody? I just don't understand the mindset at all from like day one. Like I'm naturally skeptical of anything on the media. You talk to the weatherman, like the weatherman's telling me lies. Like I just don't take it seriously. I go look outside. Like what's the weather today? Congratulations. I know the weather. Like maybe, maybe a rainstorm will show up later. Like, Congratulations. <laughs> like I'm a weatherman. You know what I mean? I just, so it's like when the whole, when the whole COVID thing started happening in February of 2020, I was just like, okay, what kind of bullshit is this and how quickly it will blow over? I'm just flabbergasted, absolutely flabbergasted that it's lasted this long and people fucking buy it. It's shocking to me. Like it's disappointing. I've, I've tried to think about it too. And I can't, I can't put my finger on whether it's, whether it's people are so, 
I don't know. It's whether people believe the media enough, right? Where they like, where they actively do, or it's because they've been so watered down, especially in their masculinity, yeah. that they'll just accept anything someone says because they're wearing a lab coat, right? Yeah. You, have you ever looked at that research thing back in the '60s, where the dude shocked a guy on the other side of the wall, but he actually wasn't shocking him? Yep, yep, yep. He did it because the guy in the lab coat was telling him that he had to. Exactly, because it's just some random fucking cocksucker in a lab coat, and that man was like, "Oh, you know, this, yeah, well, he must have authority." Like, come on, like we—it's been decades now of just no one questioning anything that is actually important. We'll question all the bullshit. Right, we'll question all, all the bullshit that's not important. That's not going to serve anybody. Like, is there racism? You know, is there sexism? Is there all this? Like, is is any of that actually serving you? Is it serving anyone else? Maybe you should ask the important question of why is this being delivered to me? Who sent the fucking package? Oh, maybe we should ask them some fucking questions. Like, and people aren't doing that enough. <clears throat> like, getting to the root of what is actually happening, and that. It's it's and it's just it's it's perpetuating. It's just going to keep happening. It's going to keep leveling itself up, and it's I don't know. I it's it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. I think you and I both know this. I think most of the people listening to this are going to know this. And it's I mean yeah, get get better at as many things as you can before before you're limited on your actual time to be able to do those things. Where you're actually going to have to utilize the skills you have become mastered at, and you can't really learn anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I didn't. I had always sensed that that potentiality was out there, right? Like the, 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 the potentiality for who are you going to be in a post-apocalyptic scenario? Like, what are you really, really good at? Which is what that comes down to. Like, well, I'm good at, you know, driving a spreadsheet. It's like, no, 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 you got to do better than that. Sorry. So oh, I, yeah, no, yeah. I'm going to be a warlord with a bunch of concubines. Period. The end. I already told my wife about it. She's on board. Cool. I'm into that. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my, my post-apocalyptic character classes is what I am. It's a cleric. That's what I am as a preacher, priest. That's, that's me. And I decided that a long time ago because it just seems right. Because someone has to, for lack of a better word, hold the spiritual health of community. It doesn't have to be a lot of people, but you got to have someone to do it. And that's just always been me, right? And so, yeah. and that's, that was like a big thing. It's like, you know, it's like, well, should I be some sort of, should I be a warlord too? It's like, well, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the most effective warlord. <laughs> you know, I'm better at other things, but you know, I, I think everyone needs to start asking those questions. And the thing is the true answer is the right answer. Like there's no wrong answer. It's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm really good with engines. It's like, well, congratulations. That's who you are. Or congratulations. You're really good with electronics or you're really good at teaching kids. You know, like oh, this is our, our own inner nature, discovering our inner nature as men, let's just start there. Discovering our inner nature of men is what makes us into who we're meant to be for the coming age. These are not separate processes. And I think a lot of men get really caught up in the Mad Max, Mad Max vision of things. They're like, oh, you know, what's my, what's my post-apocalyptic costume going to be? It's like, no, no, like be yourself. Like you be who you are, work on that now. And when you're successful in working on that now, when the next age arrives, you'll be where you're supposed to be. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it's, that goes back to the whole, I mean, we could 
hell, this could this could all just be a self-reflection thing. Everything, everything we've talked about could just be a self-reflection thing. Is it who are you? What are you about? And if you can answer that honestly, in you know, if someone asks it to you on the street, say, Hey, who are you? What are you about? And you can answer that off the cuff in a couple seconds, you're probably gonna be fucking fine. Mm-hmm. If you can't and you have to sit there and think about it, well, there's your homework. You you need to go figure that out. Mm-hmm. You you need to you, you need to turn off the TV, you need to turn off your phone, you need to get outside, sit in the sun, and just be in your mind for a while. And this this may last weeks, this may last days, it, it could last a couple minutes. I mean, you could be a superhuman and just close your eyes outside in the sun and, you know, 10 seconds later, like you're in a movie, you could know what you're about. But it's you you have to start taking those those steps and those processes to to really figure out who am I, what am I about, and if I land at whatever conclusions those are, how am I going to be about those things? Because mm. you can say you can say you're about something, how are you gonna live it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that ties into something that I was thinking about earlier is that you went through this transformative experience where you died and then, you know, like that's not like you can come back from that and you go back to your apartment or your regular life on Monday or whatever day. And you can take that and you can just sit with that and you can be like, whoa, or you can sit with that and you can be like, I need to make a change and then not make a change. Or you can sit with that and start to make a change and realize you need to make a change, start to make a change and then get halfway through and be like, fuck this for a variety of reasons. Or you can come back, you can sit with that, realize you need to make a change, go through the process, be like, no, I'm going to do it anyway and overcome. Like there's all different ways to fall off the path, the path there. Like that's incredible. And I really just wanted to highlight that because a lot of people go through experiences in life. A lot of men go through experiences where life quite literally like delivers like a right cross to the jaw and knocks them the fuck out. It's like, and they earned it. You know what I mean? It didn't come out of nowhere. It's like, no, you, you earned this and they do, they do fuck all with it. And it's such a tragedy, but it's, but for the same reason, it's such an incredible thing to meet a man who's like, who got up off the mat and like make something of himself after that. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, I, I would say it's rare. I mean that that's a given to to meet those kind of men, and when you do, they're 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 not your normal dudes, right? You're not just going to see those people, you know, walking around at Disneyland, right? Like that. Let's just give some you know some fairy tale fancy to it. Like you're you're not just going to meet those people. Those people are going to be leading in their lives in some aspect or another, because that is how society works right and we talked about that with like the government thing like society will fall in lockstep with leaders they will without having to go to a ballot box without having to vet somebody you you will know a leader when you see one when you see them in action everything else and and you will fall in step with it because you don't have a choice to if you if you're there and you're going to be in that energy you will get absorbed by it you will learn your role you will learn the things you need to do and you will that that's it. You'll all move forward as a tribe or as a collective or as a group or whatever it is. And, and that's harmony right there. Like you, you, you find those men and you need to hold on to them or women. It, it, whatever the case may be like, hold on to that. Cause it's rare. 
and and hopefully it becomes you know less rare as time goes on as as this whole movement goes on as the femininity movement goes on i hate saying that word by the way i can barely say it femininity that's a really rough word tough word <laughs> Um, but I, I just, I just hope that, that people realize that, that it's, it, it's not a, not an everyday trait when you, when you see men, you know, like yourself or the, you know, the other men you've had on this pod, it's, it, it's difficult to get to that stage. And when you do maintaining it is very difficult, but the, the cause and the goals and everything else blind you to, Oh, hey, I could regress into just being back to this. No, you fucking can't. Nope. You're on the path. You're hard charging. You're done. Like you've already full sent it. You're going. Men, if you've been part of men's personal development for any length of time, you'll know the vital importance we place on fitness. One of the key turning points of my life that led directly to the renaissance of men was me losing 40 pounds during lockdown and transforming my physique. I was motivated enough to do it on my own, but looking back, I wonder what I could have accomplished with guidance and support in creating my own physical rebirth. Enter Derek Arellano of Train Volition. Together, we've assembled a special program called the Volition Renaissance, targeted specifically for my listeners. Derek and I work together to merge our values. I unapologetically promote a man's need to embrace his masculinity, and Derek celebrates men's desire for physical prowess. To bring this about, Derek has developed a 12-week all-encompassing online program with some pretty amazing features. You kick off the program with a 30-minute consultation with Derek where he gets to know you and plots your upward trajectory. Then you get a training and nutrition plan tailored for your goals, whether they be weight loss, mass gain, sports performance, or rehabilitation at any age or stage of life. Then you get a mobile training app to track your progress, lifestyle coaching to help you cultivate habits for success, three PDF ebooks that outline Derek's philosophy behind fitness and nutrition, and finally, a direct line to Derek for support when you need it most. The purpose behind this offering isn't just to get you in shape, but to create your physical renaissance. Because, as I've personally discovered, true fitness goes beyond lifting heavy things and eating better food. It requires a total shift in mindset, which often requires support. And I know Derek can get you there. His brand is called Volition because it means making a choice, taking the path of effort, and using your willpower to achieve a goal. That's why he's the perfect partner for the renaissance of men. This program is for men who are motivated and ready to create their physical rebirth. If you ask me, there's no time to waste. So to learn more and sign up for Volition Renaissance, visit volitiontraining.com slash renofmen. That's Volition Training. V-O-L-I-T-I-O-N training.com, volitiontraining.com slash men. This is Derek's most premium offering, which he's more than qualified to offer as a former top 10 U.S. bodybuilder. Check out my podcast episode with him from this year titled Fitness and Your Higher Self. Once again, to learn more, visit volitiontraining.com slash men and sign up now. And I think a lot of men need to discover that fire in themselves we're lucky to know a bunch of them right we're really lucky i mean i spend most of my time in a telegram chat with guys who are just you know for the most part mostly like that but it's it's so hard to deal with the rest of the world and discover men who are like 
they're like a wet blanket over damp embers. You know, the notion of them have, being hard charging and having fire is like nothing could be further from their reality. It's like, I've got nothing to say to you, my friend. Like I would love, I would love to feel that in, you know, you some, some fictional person, like to feel you willing to fight for your life and fight for yourself and fight for even something as heavy as freedom. Like that's just so kind of nebulous for some people like fight for something. And so many men absolutely lack that, you know, and, and gosh, I just don't know what to, I don't know what to, I mean, we all, we're all struggling with the same question. Like, what do we do with that? What do we do with that for people besides just be ourselves, which seems to be the answer where we all land where it's like, no, I'm just going to be myself and speak up for the things that I believe in. You know, you're going to give a high five to this dude's wife and then maybe he'll wake the fuck up and recognize like, it's not the fucking end of the world to have body contact. You know what I mean? Like, the palm of your hand, not COVID is not going to leap through your flesh and your bloodstream and devour your face or something like that. Like the people are afraid of it. Like it's that way. It's, you know, but just to model, model who we, who we think the world needs to have in it. That, and that's, that's kind of how I, and especially, you know, in like in telegram chat and you know, the, the men that, that we are fortunate enough to know and connect with, you know, in, in the space that we're in, which is obviously steadily growing is that as much as I don't like to rely on hope, like you have to, there, there's gotta be something there. And I, and I don't like it. I really don't. I, I hate that I even have that word in my vocabulary because hope means that there's a chance of failure and I don't, I don't like it. But if, if, if I'm to act like me and you're to act like you and all these other men are just kind of our lead our life as strong as we possibly can, you have to hope that other men see that, right? And we know that some do, but you have to hope that the men that you think are so irrecoverable and that there's, you know, no saving them and everything else, you have to hope that at least that at least they'll get a glimmer of it, right? At least there may be a spark. There may be, there may be a, a tiny, tiny little flame left. And if there isn't, well, that sucks. But... You got to hope like a, a tiny bit. You know, as you're saying that, I think what I want to say in response is, is the word hope is like a bad, it's like a bad word. And I understand why, because hope implies, yeah, like you said, the, the possibility of, of failure. And I don't hope for a better world. I fucking know a better world is coming. I know without a shadow of a doubt that a better world is coming, period. So either that better world is coming or I'm going to be dead there you go. And so like, so as far as that can, that's concerned, like I will like you hard charge right up into the fucking wall. And if the wall is there, I will welcome it. Like there is my answer. And the answer is, the answer is, is death and oblivion. And that sounds really dark, but as you know, like your brain is telling you already, it's not that dark, right? Your brain's like, no, a release is coming. So maybe we share that in common in some sort of very <laughs> dim way, you know, but really like I mean that it's just like your brain tells you like you could, you can just release and let go and it's okay. And it's like, you know, if that comes to pass, it's like, fuck yeah, I've got my answer. Like, and we can get theological about it if we want, but there is something to that of recognizing that like, gosh, would it be entirely a bad thing to not be so invested in a world that seems, you know, committed to destroying itself that's kind of the easy way out right you know to say like ah you know i'd rather just die I'm not saying that's you 
versus saying like, no, I'm going to fight for the world until I win. And then I'm going to have to take responsibility for that world. That's the hard path. We're going to win. And then it's going to be like, oh, fuck, we got what we wanted. <laughs> right? I think, I think that is also, that, that plays on both sides of the sword too, because accountability, and I've, I've harped this ever since I started to be on my little Instagram journey because I, I never wanted social media, but um, I realized it can be a tool for good if I use it correctly. Mm. And so what I've found a lot of people are, I don't know, lacking, I guess, or, or don't even have an idea of is being accountable. Mm. Yeah. And that, and I already, I had, I had a huge idea of it before I even had a child because I had to be accountable for my homestead, for all my livestock, for all the plants, for all the, everything that's going on. Like if, if it doesn't, if I don't do it, it ain't fucking getting done, right? Something's going to die, right? And either I'm not going to eat that or I'm not going to get the fruits of it or whatever it is. Um, but being, being accountable plays on both sides of the sword for both sides of these weird upside down worlds that we we find ourselves living in is that if you aren't nothing is going to be credible nothing at all is going to be credible towards your cause or your movement or what you're saying and and as much as i don't like you know the whole uh antifa it's just an idea by the way uh as much as i don't like that and all the blm and everything else like they're they're not they're not going to be accountable in their actions. Okay, well if they're not, then the other side has to be. Oh wait, they're not being accountable either. Okay, well I guess it's just up to individuals then to hold themselves accountable for their actions, for their indecisions or their decisions, and you know so on and so forth. And that and that is a giant trickle down effect. Is you you have to be accountable. Like you, like self accountability is so real, and I I don't think enough people think about that either. Is that like if I fuck up, you you either need to tell me, or if I haven't already done it myself, like that you you that needs to be an active thought process that people have, and it's it's clearly uh, being shown that it that it's not very common right now. I think in the public it's not very common, but I think in in the cir- circles that we run in, like accountability is is fundamental. It's fundamental, like and and like you're talking about. And maybe this ties into transformation somehow. I'll have to think about it. I mean, well, no, your your transformation was your accountability moment. Like, congratulations, your choices led to your death twice. You get another chance. This is your accountability moment. What are you going to do with it? You were accountable. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, that's, that's like the, that's like an extreme version of it, right? Just, just from my reality, there's, there's got to be other, other versions and other things of transformation to where like men in general have to, they, they have had to. And I think that it's been suppressed. You know, they've had to realize like, Oh, I'm accountable for less for this. And then because of the, the climate we see ourselves in, it, it's been, it's been suppressed or regressed to where they don't have to act on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, that's that's damaging and that's harmful as well because you know like if i came up to you and i'll use a real world example uh my 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 drug dealing time ended up haunting me for like five years afterwards Mm -hmm. um i was walking across a sidewalk in downtown uh which i went to when i was in my 21 year 
time, right? Like, hey, cool, I can go to the clubs and drink, and that's a good idea. Um, I was walking across a crosswalk, super busy, right in the middle of downtown, tons of people. And I heard some dude call my name, hey, KJ, like super friendly, right? So I turned around and I got fucking rocked in the face, right, right in the left side of my face, just dropped me in the middle of a sidewalk, just absolutely cold cocked. Mm -hmm. Come to find out, like after I got peeled off of the road, right? Like there's people everywhere. My friends picked me up, peeled me off the road. Come to find out one of my friends recognized him. I had fucked him over in a drug deal like five years beforehand. Earned, earned that. And that it, it, it was earned. It was absolutely earned. I didn't go try and fight him back. I didn't go hunt him down. Nothing like I, I 100% deserved that. Yeah. And that dude had held that with him. And as soon as he saw me, he recognized me. And he said in a friendly tone, knowing that I would turn, you know, just to, Hey, what's up? And just cracked me. So there's an accountability thing right there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget, it comes both positive and negative. It, you, you have to hold it. That's, that's incredibly well said because, I mean, from my approach, the way that I approach accountability now, and I have some friends that will validate this, it's like, yeah, when I when, call me out, let me correct it. If I did something wrong that I'm not aware of, because I work real hard to keep, to keep my words and my actions in alignment. I work real hard at that because once you, as you know, once you get into accountability, getting out of it feels like shit. Like you don't want to be there. You don't want to have that shit on your mind. So it's like I tell my friends, if I'm out of accountability, if I'm out of integrity, tell me, you know, get, help me get back in accountability with you. And I think a lot of men are, but you know, we all go through our lives as men making decisions, men and women probably too, making decisions, saying things that we don't mean or going through the whole process. But there's a, it's a bitch getting back into accountability and integrity for the first time. It's a bitch. And I think rightfully a lot of men are really, and this may be, this may be part of what we're talking about. Like why are there so many lost men that we were saying, like the men wearing the masks or whatever, like, because they're so far out of accountability. They're so far out of integrity. They're terrified of what it will take for to get back in integrity. And so they'd rather just stay in the care of, they'd rather just stay in the care of mommy. Like I'll wear the masks and do what I'm told. You know what I mean? Like versus deal with the bright light of the father of taking responsibility for my life. I can land. Oh, it. And unfortunately, most of them have the, I'm going to have mommy take care of me because their wives are oh. wearing the fucking pants. That's right. Like, and I will get into the weeds on that. Like I'm sick of seeing that, like that, that is that is driving me up the fucking wall, man. That's like when I when I see or you know interact or whatever it may be, and the wife addresses me first. And this is not to be misogynistic. This is not to be no. if the wife addresses me first, and she's the one you can immediately tell has the energy, has the she has the bullet list, she has the this is what we're doing, and this and this and this. I'm like, damn, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Are you just are you just there to be a warm body? Like, is that all you're doing? Is that all you're offering? You're just a sperm bank and you're just there to say, okay, yeah, you bet. We'll drive our little SUV around and I'll sit in the passenger seat and I'll wear my mask for you. Like, get the fuck out, dude. Yeah. What are you doing? And that, that shit is driving me nuts because I keep seeing it all the time. Just the wife leading the charge, leading the charge. And she's not leading the charge in a good way to where like, hey, you know, my husband needs me to do this. No, she's having to take the reins because her husband won't do that. Mm -hmm. Well, she, she picked a husband who specifically wouldn't because she 
in many cases hates men and men hate themselves and it's like a whole big fucking thing you know but yes I agree. oh yeah no, yeah we, we could get real devolved on that that's for another pod <laughs> we'll say that for the follow no you know it's funny like uh, I, I i was i had a podcast with uh, jonathan west and i talked about this guy uh thumos wolf uh, he's in australia i've learned now and you heard that bit where he was talking about on 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 uh on instagram about how he'd seen couples walking around where the man is wearing a mask and the woman isn't and it's like i i heard that and i i could recognize that it was a thing but i'd never actually seen it but then in my apartment building i actually saw that like i was in my elevator and a couple got in and he was wearing a mask and she wasn't and it's like it's you know like a, a 30 second ride and i was just like do i say something like what the no is, no I, it's immediate, in an elevator it's immediate, impregnate on site and steal that girl like obviously the dude isn't going to do anything about it right. just just add that to the harem like th- there's that like it as a barbarian way to say it like that's what that is like she's she's rejected him he has no idea what's going on she's living her life as the fullest as she can and he's like well the government told me and she's like yeah okay cool all right yeah i didn't understand. i didn't understand it like i mean the, the best answer that I come up with is like, maybe he has some sort of condition and he's worried about it and she's not, I mean, I don't know. It didn't, and they weren't, they weren't out of shape. Like they weren't in shape. She was more in shape than he was, but he was, you know, it's like they were both slim, you know? So I couldn't figure it out. Like what's the, what's the psychology going on? I, I literally could not figure out maybe, maybe an exposed face is the 2021 version of cleavage, you know, what for a woman. Point it. Coin it. Hashtag. It is not. <laughs> let it let it be so coined that a woman walking around without a mask on in 2021 is an invitation. Please <laughs> <laughs> ask me my number because my boyfriend sucks. <laughs> yeah, like it, it. It's very clear. It's it's very clear what happened. He's a little soy boy, dough boy. Like yeah. that's that's evident. Why why is he doing that? And why is she leading from the front as the man? That's yes. Okay. It's it's very simple. And you see it more and more often now, and it's real sad. But, you know, we move on. We hard charge. And we're the assholes, you know, for talking. We're, we're the oh, assholes. I'm, I'm perfectly fine being the asshole. This is known. This is. <laughs> it is known. <laughs> yep. I think that's something that, that men need to, I don't know, up their game on too, is that. Well, I guess, I guess humanity in general, right? Like, stop giving a fuck if someone gets offended. Right. What happened? Nothing fucking happened at all. Zero. Oh, I'm offended. Cool. Have a nice fucking day. Like, I, I don't fucking care. Right. It, it makes no sense at all. Like, I'm offended and I don't like what you said. Great. Either plug your ears next time or just fuck off. Mm-hmm. There, there's no, I, I can't help you. I, there's why do you ha- why do you feel you need to tell me that you're not going to get a good response for it and if you think you are well you better pack a fucking lunch mm-hmm. like there's, there's you're not getting out of it cool i'm offended great do you want to sit down and have a talk about it or are you just going to be screeching and ringing at me oh okay you're going to be screeching and ringing great mm-hmm. like there's ah, like start and i've said this in some of my hot takes too like start asking tough questions to soft ass people that is one of my favorite like things in my mind is if you see someone that's soft as fuck, start asking them tough questions. 
just make them uncomfortable because the best thing you can hope out of that is they're going to go home and think about that. The worst thing is they're going to get offended. Cool. Nothing happened either way. And the best case scenario, they're going to think about it. Give me some examples because I can think of examples in my life where it's like I ask someone, you know, a hard question and they just shut down. Like they just shut down. They can't deal with it. Like, hey, did you know that 80% of the people hospitalized for COVID are obese? Like literally clinically obese. They just shut yeah. down. Three point comorbidities. No, like they just shut down. They can't deal. Like it's real simple. That's and that's why, you know, that's why I work so hard to to crack to crack open narrative, you know, to, to really make it clear, like, like what I was saying about the vaccine thing. It's like the state does not have the right to inject something into my bloodstream to participate in the social contract. Do you believe, not you, KJ, obviously, but the random person, that in order for me to participate in society, I need to let the state and corporations inject things into my bloodstream? Do you believe that, yes or no? Because there's no, there's no, there's no maybe. This is a yes or no question. And when you break it down to that real simple thing, you know, people shut down. They, their brain literally goes into shutdown mode, like off, like fluoride stare. And that's the hardest thing because there's literally no reaching someone in that space. And that's really sad. But that's why I work hard to crack narratives because when you frame it to someone that way, which is really what it's about, you know, you put it on them and then, you know, I'll just break them psychologically. <laughs> No, and and you're you're much better at that than I am because I'm I'm really, I mean, obviously through this pod, and you already know me anyway. I'm I'm very upfront with what the fuck I want to get done in the conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I get this, I get this a lot. Not not as much about the the COVID thing. Um, I get it a lot with the the anti-government, you know, anti-red coat thing. Mm -hmm. Like I don't. If and like I, I'll get into the weeds and I'll probably get some horrible DMs about this. I'm okay with that. I don't. It it doesn't. It's not going to affect me at all. If you're you are going to take an oath on this Constitution, this piece of paper that says that, that says that you have rights. Okay, uh, those are God given. Whatever God you believe in, whatever it is, you are a human on this planet. You have rights and you need to exercise them as much as possible, mm -hmm. and you need to do it loudly. Whatever, whatever that right may be, no fucking piece of paper is going to hold that for you because mm -hmm. that piece of paper is definitely changeable. As Beijing Biden has said lately, <sighs> no, no, no amendment is absolute. Like, well, have you heard about, you know, the 11th, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, you know, like, have you heard about all these? Did you read them? No, he hasn't. But, um, the, the main thing of it is like that, that's, that is a piece of paper that is a governing body telling you, here's your rights. No, 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 no. As much as, as much as I like what this country was founded on and the ideals and everything else, the biggest part about it that I like is rebellion. <laughs> Say more. I, about I, I, I will always, I will always love that the most is that it's throwing off the shackles, you know, and that was over, you know, what, whatever it is, a 4% tax on, you know, X, Y, Z you know, tea especially, but when you have the government using their goons and their goons in this case would be the police force of the United States 
to enact their draconian and authoritarian laws, like those are fucking redcoats. Yep. Period. The end. Like, like full stop. There's that you, you, you cannot argue me out of that. If you take an oath to this constitution that says these people have all these rights, and you wake up every day, and you go violate those constitutional rights, get fucked. There, there is no recovering that. You do that consciously. And like, especially like Ryan Mickler is being based as fuck right now. He wrote a post about this today. You know, he said, Hey, all my people who, who are, you know, police, uh, you might want to start siding with the citizens that you, you know, however he said it, that you say you protect that that's, that's your job. You swore an oath. There, there is, there is no middle ground for oath breakers. You, you take an oath. And even if it is on this piece of paper that says we have rights, cool, you still did it, which means you are supposed to protect your countrymen and uphold the Constitution. Here you are. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Like there, and, that's, and that also goes back to the whole, there is no middle ground anymore. There's, it's either you're doing it or you're fucking not. And like, as far as I'm concerned, as far as you're concerned and a bunch of other men in this space, I'm going to be about freedom and liberty and self-sovereignty and being masculine. And I will drag as many people along as I can. And if you fall off the woo-woo choo-choo, well, sorry, train left. That's right. Fuck yeah, dude. That's just like, that's, that's, I live in that space all day, but I've never heard, I've never heard anyone else articulate it, you know, but that's, I mean, that's why we get along, right? Like, I'm going to drag as many men along with me as I can, period. And, you know, this, this whole idea, no amendment is absolute. Like, my rights don't come from this piece of paper, from this amendment. My rights are given to me by God. And you can't pack your fucking Supreme Court and take away my rights. And I'll say that to your face. I mock them. That's why, that's why and I'll post a link in the show notes to this. That's why I wear these masks that say shit like 99.7 survival rate and government mandated muzzle and safety theatrics. That's why I wear these masks because you know what? You get to look at my face and you get to look at yourself in mirror. You know what I mean? Okay. I'll, I'll get on. You won't let me on the plane without a mask. So let me put on this mask real slowly that says government mandated muzzle. And you get to look at that. Deal with that now. Oh, I can see the cognitive dissonance in your eyes. Does that hurt? Cause I'm taking pleasure in that and I haven't done a thing. And that's the kind of, and I, and I really appreciate, you know, I really appreciate that this is a great opportunity for so many men to discover that rebel spirit, you know, what we desperately need. And I love feeling it in myself. And I've learned a lot from you with that regard, because KJ don't give a fuck, which is like such an amazing thing to feel because a lot of men, really, a lot of men will, will talk about not giving a fuck. And then it's like, they're really invested in this posture of not giving a fuck. Like, no, you genuinely don't genuinely don't give a fuck. So I want to amend that KJ don't give a fuck thing. Uh, that came from that came from Rain Man, <laughs> from from the Two Six Three Collective. I I had never I had never like realized that about myself. I've always just been kind of no, I don't give a fuck. Like I I'm doing what I'm doing, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that. And apparently that energy is not a very common thing. No, it's and and. But like 
I don't know, to, to the, to the innocence of me or whatever you want to say, I, I didn't realize that I just, I just lived my life the way I was going to live my life. And you know, whether you like it or not, this is what I'm doing. And I never, I never gave it any energy or attention. Well, I, like talking, uh, talking to Rain Man and getting involved in the two six three, uh, that just became a thing. Like in the in the chat between all the dudes, it was, yeah, KJ don't give a fuck. Yeah, 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 KJ don't give a fuck. Here you go. Like, give give this meme to him. He'll share it. He don't give a fuck. You know. So, oh, and then and then we finally actually met in uh, like, I don't know, beginning in December. And then it really became apparent to the rest of them, like, wow, KJ really don't give a fuck. Like, no, in any scenario, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I'm going to do. There's no, there's no stopping me. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. There's, that, that's it. I think that's, I think that's what we need, you know. And there's a word, there's a word that I've learned from Christina, who you and I both have a very high appreciation for. She has high appreciation. <laughs> she, she, and I knew this word, but I didn't use it as often. The word is calibrated. And so calibrated means like, it's not that you have to sacrifice necessarily who you are for the person or the environment that you're interacting with. It's that you take who you are and you calibrate it for the environment so that you can have the maximum, say, impact. And so like, and I really like that distinction because there's a lot of this discussion about like, I'm not going to change who I am. Not you, obviously. I'm not going to change who I am for anybody. It's like, well, yes, don't. And there's a way of being in the world where it's like, I've calibrated to my environment. Like you're not going to be like full KJ send at work. Well, maybe you are, I don't know, but like that's, that can be counterproductive. No, no it's very calibrated. It's very, you have to pick your battles. You still have to pick your battles, but you still have to be about what you're doing. Yes. Yes. And so that's the, I mean, so that's the thing is that's the thing. I, I think the distinction that a lot of men lose is that in, in becoming the, the strongest version of themselves, let's say they lose the distinction that there's a way of being a calibrated version of yourself, which is like, I've become the strongest version of myself and I know how to calibrate myself to have the maximum impact with the person that I'm talking to. And that I thought, I think that's just such a fantastic way of looking at it because it acknowledges both sides that who we are changes based on our environment but it always stays the same. That that's exactly right. The, my my wife, she she's gotten to the point now where she'll just defer to me for any uncomfortable situation, right. whether it's a phone call or you know talking to an insurance agent or you know talking to you know if we're if we're getting a new mortgage or refinancing or buying a car or whatever it is, because she knows I will have the maximum effect about what we want, and I I I won't. I won't bow down from it to where, you know, she sees it as I, I get uncomfortable and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll make concessions or, or I'll, I'll compromise. I will not, I will, I will not at all. She does. I'll be you don't do any of those things. Huh? She does those things. You don't do any of those things. Yeah, no, she, like she, she, she'll get, she'll get a little bit introverted and she'll, you know, make concessions just to get the situation done with, I will not, I, I won't do that. And so she's just deferred to me to handle all, all the uncomfortable things that may come about because she'll know I'll just, I'll just steamroll them and get what I want out of it. And then that situation's done, but I'll do it in a manner that's professional enough and, you know, logical enough. And we still win at the end. And that's just a realization that, 
you know, men can do that if, if you're willing, if you're willing, you can stand up to another man in any situation, whether it's business or personal thing. Like, unless you have a feeling of threat on your life, don't change your tactics. If you have like, oh, my life is going to be threatened for this, then your tactic should, should already be like, I'm going to kill that motherfucker first. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there, and that's it. Like other than that, like that, that's the outlier. Other than that, like be absolutely what you're about. What's a dude going to do? Like fucking hit you in the face? Cool. Hit him back. Like, I, I mean, what? Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I have a hard time sympathizing with, with men who can't be in uncomfortable situations. And it, it's really weird to me. It's just, you, <clears throat> you need to be about yourself. You need to be about what you're doing and whatever your goals are and everything else. And don't compromise for it. If, if you happen to find, you know, a, a stable ground with another man where you can compromise on that, you're both going to like, you've both reached that plateau at the same time mm-hmm. because he's in that same boat. He's in that exact same boat as you are trying to row towards his direction. Hey, hey, I want to, you know, hey, I want to sell you this insurance policy, right? Like this, let's just make it super vanilla. I want to sell you this insurance policy. I don't want to fucking buy it. Oh, well, it has its benefits. You know, and you're, you're, you're both rowing towards the same thing. If you can find that stable ground and work out something that's mutually beneficial, great. Mm-hmm. Great. There shouldn't be anything uncomfortable about that. If it is to be uncomfortable, stand your fucking ground. Die on that hill. It, it's it's not going to happen. Like I said, that outlier. If your life is actually threatened, just fucking pull up and shoot him first. Just get it done with. Just leave. Right. No, and I think people have lost sight of this. They've lost sight of this notion that two strong and independent men, but people really, but for the most part, men are capable of reaching an agreement and negotiation that serves both people. Like, what are your goals? Your goals, Mr. Insurance Salesman, are to serve are to sell me an insurance policy, right? That's you know, of a certain of a certain margin, right? My goal is whatever, X, Y, X, Y, and Z. If we can find a way where both of our goals get met, great. We can do that if we're willing to be honest and straightforward. But if Mr. Insurance Salesman shows up and says, I'm gonna force an insurance policy on you. Like that's not going to go well. And that seems like that's a lot of what's going on in life right now. It's like, no, we're going to force this on you, even though you don't want it. And we're going to guilt and shame and label you until you take it. It's like, well, what's hiding in there? Like, why, why are you going to come at me like this? Like I can be convinced, show me good information. Oh, 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 you want to call me a name? Oh, you want to censor me? Oh, you don't actually want to have an open debate. Oh, so you're full of shit is what you're saying. Okay. Got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's totally different. Yeah, you got it. You got to be careful with the convinced versus coerced thing, though, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. Of course. Like, yeah. this is what I say. Let's have a debate. Like, let's not just have a fucking presidential debate where it's two like old, old fucks arguing with each other on television with a moderator barely trying to contain them. Let's get a panel of experts on both sides and let them talk for like three hours. No commercials, no commercial breaks, no sponsorship. This is the panel of experts on either side. They get to state their case, you know, and then they get to, then they get to ask each other questions and trust the intelligence of the average person to sort it out. No commercial breaks, no moderator. And let's just do that. Oh, we don't, we're not doing that. Oh, okay. All we're getting through one through is one perspective through the media. Oh, okay. So this is coercion. 
Yeah, and that's that's the thing. If they, if so, and it goes back to the root of it. Like it's all about money. Yeah. It's all about money. It, and money equals control. Control equals money. Like those go hand in hand. If and this this is this is the weird. I don't know the the weird hypothesis and argument I have in my head all the time is if we were to have a blank slate where people could just ask questions like that, right? The the world as people know it and that they're comfortable, and I'm doing quotations right now for everybody who can't see, everybody who's comfortable in would regress so far backwards that it would just destroy them. It would destroy the normies. Like absolutely, they would be done. Because they would realize like, oh, we have an open forum and we can just ask questions and, and the government, the, they take care of us. They're going to answer it. No, they fucking won't. It's all about money and perpetuation. Mm-hmm. Constant perpetuation. Yeah. yeah. Because if they were to answer these questions, you would realize that they have double, triple, quadruple, quintupled down on every single lie that they've ever fed you. And then they've redone it, right? Like they, they've just, they've taken, you know, take the 60s, right? Take that decade. They did that, and then in the seventies, they're like, "Oh, we'll just respin it and just make it a different narrative, and just fucking quintuple down on it again." And here we are in the twenty twenties with the same exact thing happening, mm. right? And it and it it's his and there's a good quote: "It's history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here and here we are. And I, th- I think that was like C.S. Eliot. I don't remember who that was. It, it was someone like that. Like it was. Someone powerful has said that. I don't remember who it was. Sorry, but okay, it, it's very true um, that all of all of the mechanisms are the same. All of the psyops are the same. And if you don't think we're living in a giant psyop right now, sorry, folks, you're wrong. This is exactly what it is. Read a book. Read a lot of books. Read any book written before 1910. In fact, read any book you can written before 1910. Read yeah. all of them. Read cooking books before then because it'll help your health. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Eat more fats, eat red meat, eat a shitload of salt, eat natural vegetables, and everything else just comes by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it's very simple. Like, human beings are a very simple machine. A bowl of oatmeal in the morning, ride 12 miles on a bicycle. Like, that's the most efficient machine on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like, but everything else is trying to keep you down. It's trying to, you know, put estrogen in your body and here, have some soy and here, have all this stuff that fucks up your gut and the gut, you know, I don't know if anybody's researched this, but it controls your whole everything. Like, are we actually humans or are we just meat driving in a exo weird skeleton and the gut actually controls everything? If you actually think about that, it gets kind of dicey. Like your gut controls a lot of things to you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like hormones. Like, like just the, the level of different. I don't know how many hormones there are in the body, but you know those are these big signaling things that operate beneath the conscious layer. And so it's like, are you thinking something? Are you wanting something? Are you craving something from your conscious mind, or is it just your body telling you something that you think is you? It's it, it begins to get very very fuzzy. And so to some extent, people, you know, get all caught up in does free will exist or not because, because subjects like this, but it's like, there's a lot of complexity around it. Yes, free will exists, but maybe not in the way that you think it does. 
and there's way more to you than you recognize. And maybe you're not using your free will as often as you think you are. That doesn't mean that you can't master the use of your free will and making conscious decisions, but you got to learn to separate the two, like you're saying with the gut, you know, or like you're like a lot of people are ruled by their emotional state. Now I'm just saying this because I choose to say this. Like, are you are you choosing to say this, or is that what your emotions are pouring out? It's very similar, and most people live in this state. And I think this is what we're talking about, like accountability. I wonder. Well, actually, I'm going to speculate now. I'm going to back off from the declarative sense, and I'm going to question to what extent accountability has something to do with this. Where when you become a man or a person who's accountable, you recognize that you have to exercise. I'm just talking this through. You have to exercise more free will because when you are operating from instinct and appetite and emotion, you get yourself into major trouble. And then life delivers a correction to you one way or another. And then you recognize I need to exercise my free will more consciously than be a slave to my, my gut biome or my, or my emotional state. That's kind of working. I think it is working. And that's exactly right. Those are, those are things that I've, I've thought about a lot. There's in like, as far as the theological sense of, of the free will, right? Let, let's separate that. Let's just talk about, you know, human being, you're a human, here you are, you're in this 3D plane. What are you going to do with it? You, you still have to exercise that with caution, right? I have free will to go over to my neighbor's house and strangle him on the ground right now, right? Like, don't fucking do that. Please you know, don't. and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I don't, there, there's people that are probably going to hear this, you know, let's call it a hundred years from now. They're like, Oh, well, what is free? What, like, you know, we have to make it simple and palpable for people because we live in this environment that you have to make things so watered down. Like don't fucking do that. You have to exercise it in a fashion that is not only <clears throat> going to benefit your goals and your motives, but it has to also directly impact the community that surrounds you. Mm-hmm. And I've been sharing this a lot lately because people don't seem to fucking get it. Is that your community is your first point of contact? Period. Full stop. The end. There's that that that's what that is. Like right now, if there is just to be an a bomb that dropped right here, and I happen to be outside the blast zone, guess who's my first point of contact? My neighbors. Mm-hmm. There's and and you know you can spin whatever situation in that. But your free will has to be exercised in in the virtue of value, right? How am I using my free will to add value to my life and to my surrounding peoples? Because if if, if you're only using your free will to benefit yourself, you're going to boil. You're going to be done. You're going to end up being sour and venomous. And someone is going to end up stabbing you 41 times, Caesar. And then, you know, that, and that's, that's actually a really good example. I was, I was thinking it through as I was saying it, that there's, there's a prime example right there. That was a free will man. He was, you know, pseudo virtuous as far as, you know, applying them back then. And he got stabbed a bunch of times by a bunch of dudes because they didn't, they didn't agree with him because he was trying to pull power to himself, which he was. And they were like, nah. We're good, man. We're just going to shank you a couple times. Well, that's that's Jesus, right? Like, hey, the power structure is not enjoying what this guy's saying. 
And, uh, you know, one of his apostles is like, yeah, no, I'll throw 30 pieces of silver, you know? Yeah. Okay. You're, 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 you're not worth that much. You're not worth more than that to me. It's like, that's the story, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah. And that, that as well can be applied to a lot of things. Um, it's just, I think if, if you know, you have it, you, you've reached that stance as a man to where I, I am an autonomous being. I am free. This is what I am doing. You, you have to realize that, I mean, not to sound super cliche, but Spider-Man quote, like with great responsibility or whatever it is, like mm-hmm. with great, whatever it is, with great responsibility comes great action. I don't know what he said. Great power Uncle comes great responsibility. There you go. Yeah. Uncle Ben's rice said something like that. There you go. <laughs> it's true. It's if people exercise that, as well as their accountability a little bit more because those go hand in hand. If you're going to have free will and you're going to exercise it, then you need to be accountable for those actions. And there's going to be a lot of negative to it, especially in today's day and age. There's going to be a lot of negative to it. And as long as you are steadfast and about yourself enough to where you can handle those negatives, you're going to make it out just fine. You're, you're going to be just fine. The, the blows will come. They will, they will, and they will keep coming. They'll keep coming through social media. They'll keep coming through your family, through your friends. And like in, you know, in your case, you know, you'll have to separate with people. And I did it a couple of years ago. I separated with a bunch of my family. I don't, I don't engage with them Mm. because I don't need to. I don't, I have no reason to, they're not adding any value to my life whatsoever. And they never will. Does it suck? Absolutely. Absolutely. It sucks. You cut them out, you have to move on. And you may not talk to them again for years. You may not talk to them again forever. But those those people are going to be detracting you from this great reconciliation. It's coming. Mm -hmm. It's coming and it's coming fast. Yep. Yep, it is. And I don't know, I think the big question that lives on everyone's mind that certainly lives in my mind is that you and me and the men of the renaissance and the women of the renaissance and you know are working towards this great reconciliation which is incredibly exciting that we're kind of building this breakaway society in a way and that's how i feel like well you know in in the meantime you know burning man has just announced that you have to fucking have the vaccine to go to burning man which is objectively retarded because you're walking around in the freaking desert in the heat and the dirt like nothing survives like people go to Burning Man, they lose like ten or fifteen pounds because the the because the environment is so is so sterile and it sucks all the water out of them and everything. Like the idea that you have to go to get a vaccine to go to Burning Man is dumb as fuck. But meanwhile, I have family members that like are so super committed to Burning Man. It's like oh, they're going to be first in line to do that. It's like I we have nothing in common. Like there's nothing, you know. I want like I've already said goodbye to inter, international travel air travel like i said i flew to austin that might be the last plane flight i ever take i hope it's not because i spent a lot of time on planes but it's like no is the answer you have nothing that you're going to take that you can that over me that will make me do this i'm going in this different direction towards the great reconciliation towards a, a, a rebirth and a perfection of traditionalism and say what well, might say organic living and communal living what we're the way we actually could be and i just don't know how these two 
I don't know how these two worlds exist on the same planet. Undoubtedly, there's enough room for all of us, but it just kind of seems like maybe we get our own earth. Like I'll leave, like I'll pack up the space RV and I'll go, you know, I'll travel to a neighboring galaxy. I don't got anything to worry about, you know, I'm sure. No, and that's, that's the thing too. Like I did, like, as, uh, as, as Leo said in Wolf of Wall Street, I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm not I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm not leaving. I will not budge. Especially about the organic living thing. Like I've I've been on this path since like 2017, which I mean seems late in retrospect, but I mean sooner than a bunch of my peers. Like I, I'm doing everything that I can reasonably on my own without having to rely on you know as much services as i can i'm still unfortunately connected to uh power but that's because we're trying to pay down some debt to get solar once we get solar like that's even that's even more of a thing like i'm on my own well got generators i've got organic fruit grow food growing i've got regenerative livestock multiples I've got meats, I've got fibers, I've got proteins, I've got eggs, I've got dairy, I have bees, I have wax, I have honey. Like, and the list goes on and on and on. I can sustain myself without any input from anything whatsoever. And that was kind of the main goal is that I'm going to get to the point where I don't need to rely on anybody to provide for my family. Wow. So it, it's it is a, it's a constant goal, uh, and there and there's always layers to it. Um, like we have a mortgage, we got to pay it off. That's that's just part of it. Um, got to get solar. Once we get that solar thing done, though, that the rest is going to really windfall down. Like that that's kind of the big the big echelon right now is get rid of the power bill and everything just kind of starts falling into place because that solar is not only going to feed the house, it's going to feed everything else that we do. And that that's going to really steamroll some stuff. It's just that that upfront expense is extreme right now. Well, I mean, pre-COVID it was extreme. And then you get to the COVID thing and it was like, oh, well, we fired everybody. Sorry, you can't get any raw materials. Like, okay, cool. Here we are. And that's why ammo is so expensive. Right. <laughs> Everything that anyone could possibly want to soak. Well, everything's a pain in the ass now because COVID. It's a wonderful excuse to be fucking lazy. Oh, everything's expensive. Sorry, we can't come to your apartment and do service because COVID. Like, of course yeah. you can come to my apartment and do service. You know what I mean? We can't do this because COVID. Like, really? No, you just want an excuse to cut costs and increase profits. Like, let's be honest about it, right? Yeah, everything. Money and control. Money and control. Money and control. And that's, and we've, we've talked about it before. I don't one of the main reasons that I got into the homesteading thing is because I don't believe in the construct of money. Right. I absolutely hate it. It's the, the dumbest fucking thing that humanity decided to do to themselves. And uh, furthermore, it all has to go back to the first guy who grew wheat. Like it can all get traced back to the first dude who grew wheat right there. Fuck that guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like he, he <laughs> fucked it up for everybody. Like instead of, you know, a normal society where we're all just, you know, an actual commune or providing for each other, everybody has their roles like, oh, no, I've got this big old field. I grew a bunch of these seeds in. It's going to make you fat and bloated, give you a little bit of energy part time. How about you just go 
give me some of that shiny stuff out of that hill. We'll, we'll trade for it. And then it's all been downhill since then. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I agree. I, I look at money as, you know, as a medium of exchange that makes things easier than bartering, but I get exactly, I agree with you totally that like there was, there was some sort of devil's bargain that was made with civilization for sure. And that's ultimately where all this stuff deprograms down to. It's like, well, wait a minute. Like, who determined that just, which we talked about, just because you write something down on a piece of paper and call it a country that this thing exists, like wh- where does that come from, right? It yeah, just, collectivism determined that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think people have a natural instinct to gather in tribes, but this idea that a tribe of say 100 or 50 or 100 people can somehow be expanded to millions or billions, that's all held together by an idea. Like that's not sustainable. Right. Well, I was in high school and I was recognizing like, wait a minute, what is a nation? Like there's the physical land, but like the notion of a nation is just an idea that we all share. That's it. That's all it is. I don't think that's all that radical to say, like what else? It's on buildings. Like the nation doesn't live in the buildings. And once you really get that, it's, you know, that's a, that's its own kind of, pilled kind of moment where it's like well no it, it, it that that what that is is the balkanization pill and then mm. people don't people don't want to swallow it they don't want to think about it but for the last two years it's been a little over two years now we've had small low intensity regional conflicts and that is what leads to balkanization and that's what it's going to be there is there isn't going to be some huge triggered event to where it's the right versus the left. And there's multiple videos that talk about this, but the main idea is if it was actually right versus left, right? And there was a triggered event, which is what the left doesn't want because they know they'll lose. If there was an actual triggered event on a Friday morning, it happened. The right would run out of targets by lunch. <laughs> like, like, and they know that they know that they don't want that. They don't want the triggered events that they want a bloodless revolution. They want a color revolution. They want the French revolution, but in reverse. And that, and that's exactly what they're doing. Like you, you can take 2020 just in like that exact snippet of time and place it over the French revolution. And you go, Holy fuck. Like it's, it's, it is fucking almost identical. It's, it's, it's so, it's so extremely close and that's, and it just keeps happening over and over, but they, I don't know. They just want, like George Carlin said, silent, obedient workers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's what I've been telling people. That's what 2020 was about was the two main symbolisms of 2020 were the mask and black lives matter. And what was the mask about? you know, the and black lives matter whole thing was like take a knee. So the whole symbol of the whole symbolism of 2020 was kneel and cover your mouth, kneel and be silent. That's exactly yep. what 2020 was. That's all it was. And so you saw people putting the mask on and you saw people kneeling and being allies and everything like that. Well, congratulations. I hope you're happy. I hope you're thrilled with the way the, the direction that things are going. You know what I mean? This is what you get for kneel and be silent. And if you don't get it now, like you will, you will get it, you know? And, and, you know, I, I don't know, I think it's, that's a whole different rabbit hole that we can go down, but it's really sad. It's that's the, that's the hardest part is that like, they'll get it. 
they'll get it and it's and it's not going to be on the platter that they expected that's right that's right oh you know well i mean i i if i'm being as generous as possible i think people are like okay well this whole lockdown thing needs to end so i'll just get the vaccine I'll just make it all go away you know like all the celebrities are doing it like fine maybe i'm not totally okay with it maybe it might not be safe maybe someone said whatever i'll just get it and let's get back to normal it's like no no you're not going back to normal you're getting this multiple times a year and we've been you you called us names for saying this you called us conspiracy theorists because you didn't want to actually like think about it and now here we are and somehow it's my fault like and that's yeah, yeah oh we're all i mean yeah. agenda 2030 is real motherfuckers agenda 2030 man yeah yeah I mean, the un has to be one of the worst things that's happened to western civilization like ever it's just this nation's it's, idea. It, yeah, I mean, I mean, as soon as like what what was it? World War One. It was called like the 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 Allied Nations, something like that. And there was only like eleven or twelve League, League of There it is. Yeah. And then you know World War Two ended, and America was like, "Hey, we showed up on the stage, and we spent a shitload of money. We got to recover it. How about you all join us, and we recover these bonds, and we'll just, uh, you know, we'll play world police." Like, okay, cool. That's gone fucking well. I had a thought, you know, that kind of it was in my mind, and it, it kind of flew away, and it'll probably it'll probably come back. Oh well, it's it's back. I mean, my personal take is that. I think one, I think at some point in the way distant future, like a sort of one world coordinated kind of quote unquote government is probably the direction that humanity is going, that we will naturally evolve into once we achieve a higher level of consciousness where we can, where we can see beyond, you know, sort of our tribal, our tribal way of seeing things. I have no doubt that that's in our future, right? But that might be a thousand years away. And this idea that you can just take it and, and, and use that vision of some utopia a thousand years away and impose it on people by force today. I mean, this is why all this is what, what gets all the liberals, including me at one point in time, all worked out, all worked up. Because it's like there's something in them that resonates with this vision of a future utopia that they feel in their hearts. And so they, but they don't understand that it's being forced on them by authoritarianism. It's like, no, we got to do, we got to do all these wonderful things by force. Because this is how it happens. Like, no, that's not how it happens at all. It happens by consent. It happens by convincing. It doesn't happen by coercion. And they don't know that distinction. They just look at it and say, well, you know, we're just going to give ourselves over to this. And because uh, I'm convinced, like, I don't have any questions to ask. But like you said, if people could actually get the chance to get questions answered and get, you know, from the government, they would regress because they're not capable of answering, the, of asking the questions, first of all. But because they're not willing to really go through the process of being legitimately convinced because they'd recognize maybe how stupid they are. Oh yeah. They're not, they're not, they're not even close to being cognitive able to understand the consequences of those questions. Right. Right. Like if you went and asked, you know, you let's say the director of the CIA from the seventies, I don't even know who that was, but let's say he's alive right now and you got to ask him questions, your ears would start bleeding. Oh, yeah. Like there, you, people would lose their minds, and that's why, like right now, especially, and this is a perfect example. All all these UFOs at the Pentagon is, is being like, yeah, these are fucking real guys. 
like to be like, hey, th- these are real. And it's just flying under the radar because of all this other political and COVID bullshit. And the Pentagon's like, hey, guys, perfect time to just say, yes, they're real. No one's going to pay attention to it. And when the aliens do come, everything's going to be okay. Like it's, it's not like they're just, they're in your face. Everything is so without pretense right now in this climate that we live in. There is no pretense anymore. It is directly in your face. They're telling you the truth. Even if it is super evil and super demonic, they are telling you the truth about their actions or their motives right to your face because they know that a majority of you are so fucking dumb and numbed down that you're not even going to take a second like think about it guess anything mm-hmm. i mean it's, people, it's go ahead yeah well people are being programmed you know they don't know it they don't know it like how how long was you know and I'm, I'm sure at this point we're not saying anything that anyone listening doesn't already know but how long you know was the walking dead and the zombie apocalypse meme out there in movies this idea that there's a you know a lone Either stranger or, or band of survivors struggling against the the crazy hordes. How long was that oh, yeah. seated? So for, yeah. for decades, for de- at least a decade with the Walking Dead and stuff. And now it's like, are we kind of living that? Like, what the what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Was this twenty eight of- days later called? Oh, those, those- <laughs> well, let's let's bring it back down to the ground and let's talk a little bit about. Um, you know, the ways that you like, we're, we're, we're living in an age where men are needing to discover their inner sovereignty, you know, the sovereignty from all systems of, of authoritarian control and, and your response to that. And I think many men's response to that is to get good at, you know, self-sufficiency, um, inner discipline and accountability and firearms. And those, those are the, those are the themes that I tease out from, from the things that you and I talk about. And I think that's really important for, for men to get. And so I like, I opened up to you for which of those is, which of those you'd like to share with men who are looking at you and your position and be like, how do I get to where KJ's at? And maybe KJ who, you know, dropped out on the floor of the yard, never expected that he would be in a position of, uh, of men looking at him and, and wanting to be like KJ, but nonetheless, here you are. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Put it like that. Yeah. Shit. Here I am. Um, damn, you're, you're really good with words, man. You're always throwing me back with words and I have to sit there and think about it. And then just KJ says things. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not some hot shit, you know, Instagrammer with guns. There's a lot of dudes that follow me that are actually hard as fuck that do that. They actually are operators. They actually go and do the dirty work. Um, like if you hit my page and you, you'll, you'll see who they are. They, they do that. I, I'm not one of those men. I, I just happen to really enjoy firearms and I am mildly proficient at a lot of things in my life. Firearms happens to be one of them. Um, the, the, the moment that you get, I don't know, pilled into firearms. And, and I know you went through this as well because I helped you build your rifle. That's right. Like you, you say like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get an AR 15. Okay. What kind are you going to get? Great. Or not great. Let, let, let's go through, let's go through your build list. Okay, cool. You've got a good build. Great. I have my rifle in my hands. Okay. You need a bunch of training with it. Here's how many rounds you need to train with. Here's how many mags, you know, I would recommend there, there's all sorts of these like, you know, extra fingers that come with that. 
but I, I would say to anybody who's, who's interested in self-defense and protecting their family, um, just, just go get yourself. And, and this is like my bare bones, my, my bare bones example of this and kind of, you know, write it down. This is what you need sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Give yourself an everyday carry pistol. One that you can have in an IWV holster, which is inside the waistband holster. Uh, I happen to carry a full-size pistol because I'm a tall person, so I can carry a big-ass gun in my waistband. So depending on your stature, uh, you know, choose accordingly. Um, I carry a Glock 17 with a Surefire X300 light on it, so it is effectively the length of a Glock 34, which is a competition pistol. Uh, it it's big, but you also have the benefit of that holds uh, 17 plus one rounds. And if you get a base pad extension, you can hold upwards of 27 rounds on you at a time, which I do, as well as you have an extra mag that's sitting with 23. So get yourself a nice, reliable pistol. If it says Taurus on it, skip it. If it says high point on it, skip it. Like there's a bunch of just shitty brands that you're going to maybe get a couple hundred rounds out of, but you cannot beat the fuck out of them and you cannot rely on your life with them. Uh, there's only a couple brands in the world for pistols that you can actually do that. Um, Smith & Wesson, Glock, Sig, I would say hesitantly. Um, there's, there's only a couple more CZ, uh, but get yourself a pistol. Get yourself a shitload of mags for it while you still can and get yourself about 500 rounds of whatever caliber you desire. I choose 9mm, you can choose whatever the hell you want. If you choose 45 ACP, you're wrong. Uh, if, as far as rifle goes, uh, the AR-15 is obviously the, um, the, the new age uh, American musket. It's modular, it has interchangeable parts, it's stripped down easy. It's easy to operate. You have an effective range, you know, depending on your build layout of, you know, three to 400 yards. You're not going to knock down an elk with it. You're going to have a hard time knocking down people with plates with it. But, you know, there, there's lots of variables to it. Get and keep a self-defense rifle. Um, the, like I said, the AR-15 is a, is a very easy very modular platform the magazines are readily available everywhere it's it's the the western east nations version of an ak-47 like if we were to go over into eastern europe or far eastern europe anywhere there's there's ak-47 variants and magazines everywhere mm-hmm. as well rounds everywhere for that and so you go to america 556 by 45 or 223 is available all over the place. It's it, it's everywhere. Parts are everywhere. They're easy to maintain. Uh, but th- those are the two two very bare minimum things you should get is an everyday carry pistol that you have with you at all times, wherever you go, all the time. And just to amend what I am saying, a piece of paper or a sign that says no guns allowed means dick it doesn't mean a fucking thing that means that you're going to end up probably being a victim because you paid attention to a sign like no like that i i don't i don't subscribe to that like no guns allowed you can't have guns in bars you can't have guns inside city limits fuck you i'm going to carry my gun wherever i want 
Like that's it. If you go inside a federal government building and there's an x-ray scanner, probably take your gun out. Like other than that, no, like just just have it on you at all times. Like I, I don't makes absolutely no sense. Like, Hey, you should probably take your firearms off so you can be victimized. Get bent. Like I'm, I'm going to be the one that's going to end up not being victimized. It makes no sense at all. Um, but the most important factor to all of this is that you, you get yourself an everyday carry pistol and you get yourself an AR-15, you know, keep it in your truck, keep it in your car, keep it in your house, whatever. You need to get proficient training with those. Uh, there is just absolute just mess of free training for those things available to you on Instagram, especially there's YouTube. I wouldn't recommend it. Like I, I would recommend the Instagram route. There is a lot of, a, a lot, a lot, a lot of very proficient, very extreme, very lethal dudes that have no problem giving all of their skills to the general public because they want the general public to be very well ready for what is to come. A um, couple of those people, that, like most of them are special forces or SEALs dudes, you know, team guys, Mike Glover, Sean Ryan, Ryan McMillan. Um, and then there's, you know, the no name pages. Uh, but, you know, Slade Raider, GBRS Group, 176, Forward Observations Group, Core Vision Training, like the list goes on and on. Achilles Tactics, Bull Creek Strategic, like you can just keep going. And all these dudes just want to help civilians become the best, most lethal versions of themselves with firearms. Yeah. So that's that's like my number one thing. The self-sufficiency thing goes hand in hand with that because that, that that's a version of being self-sufficient. If, if, if I'm going to say that, you know, my, my argument that I'm throwing out to the world is that I'm going to disconnect and I'm going to, you know, do everything I can by myself. Well, I, I have to have a defense mechanism of some sort. And so, so that goes hand in hand that, that came organically. It's like, I've always had firearms. I've always been involved in firearms, but, when I when I swallowed the pill to I'm going to be as self-sufficient as possible, I was like, well, shit, if that's the alley I'm going down, I better be as violent as possible as well. Because if, if I'm going to rely on myself, I'm really going to rely on myself. Mm-hmm. So I know that, that kind of came organically to me. Um, but I think, I think as men, if you're, if you're, physically fit enough you have a you know athletic background or you have an athletic build firearms can come second to the four major pillars that i always tell people about and that's food water shelter heat Mm -hmm. as long as you can sustain food water shelter heat everything after that becomes ancillary that becomes something that you can you can pick up the pieces as you go if you can fully provide those four things, then you can have time and energy to work towards those other things you need to become proficient at. So I, I just took it to a really root level. What is what is human man on this planet supposed to do to provide for you know his family and 
everything else. If you take it really basic and you boil it down and you take it in simple little bites, that's all it really is. That That's all it is. You can take all this, everything that's happening in the world and the money and the politics and the this and that, blah, 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 blah. food, water, shelter, heat. How am I making all of those happen? Cool. Did I make it happen? Great. Now I can focus on doing the rest of the things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. That's a really good, that's a really good, uh, a really good breakdown. Cause that's sort of like, how do you build your, how do you build your home base and how do you go from there? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that that's and that may not be the right way to approach it. That's just my that's my spin on it. Is it as long as I can do those things, whether it be I have to have a job to do it, which I do right now, or I can provide you know two of the three of those things on my own without any monetary input, or I can I can barter for these things or you know whatever it may be. Like figure it out, get that baseline done. And then work yourself up to in you know including other things as you go, because if you can have all those things without putting a ton of energy into it, you give yourself more time and energy to allow that extra step, extra step, extra step, and just keep compounding on what you're doing. By putting t- by putting time and energy into it, you mean like to get it to get up to a level of proficiency where you don't really have to think about it, right? Because every anytime you're starting yeah. something like that, it's like you gotta you gotta go through the failure the the, yeah. the failure process. Yep. As as soon as you as soon as you've given that time and energy to it, to go, hey, this is a smooth running machine, right? Like that that watch is ticking. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I I know how I can maintain that. Now I can focus my energy on, okay, what do I want to learn about? Do I want to learn about, hey, how do I compost correctly? How do I shoot guns correctly? You know, how can I get solar energy? How, how can I engage with my community? Once you have your baseline done of the most simplest things in the human construct, if you have those mastered, actually mastered, like you, you've got them done, they're, they're out of the way, to where it's just maintenance, then you can really start compounding on those other things and make it successful. So just to make it grounded for the men who are listening, you know, walk me through, walk me through an average Tuesday in uh, the empire of KJ, like, you know, your morning, you know, the alarm goes off in the morning and then what happens? And then, you know, when you lay down and go to sleep at night, like, because you're managing, you got a wife and a child, a young child that looks like she's probably under a year old, perhaps, or definitely under two. She's and, 18 months now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you got a homestead and a, a full-time job and, you know, a life. Like, so how does that, how does that look for a man today? So it looks right now because of the, the time of year that it is, uh, because we're getting into spring and summertime, it looks, it looks extreme. Uh, right now we did not breed goats this year, which is my saving grace right now, because if we would have bred our goats. I would be milking at four o'clock in the morning mm. with a toddler and all the, and so we did not breed goats this year because of, we knew we were going to have a toddler. <laughs> breeding children versus breeding goats. Is, you know. Yeah. No, it's not breeding, breeding, breeding goats is a, is a whole thing on its own. It's just like having a pregnant wife. It's, it's a whole thing. Like, they get just as moody. They need all these supplements and time and care and energy. And then you have to milk them twice a day. 
So I was like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. We got a toddler in the mix. Like, let's just skip breeding this year. We'll get to it like in the following year. So we'll breed this fall. But uh, right now, wake up. Um, I'm very, very fortunate enough to have a wife that she has. We, we have like the whole nuclear family thing happening. She has a job, but it's very part time and it's a very opposite schedule of what I have. So there's pros and cons to that. Um, I wake up super early, go to work, do more work thing. Um, I'm fortunate enough to, I have, I have the ability right now, as far as when my wife is working to come home early enough in the afternoon to take over the kid duties. And then my wife can go to work part-time and she's, she's usually home by, you know, on average, like eight 30 to nine at night. So during that time, like right now, my kid is growing up, so she'll go to sleep later. But during that time, I come home, do all the farm chores, feed, water, you know, clean, collect eggs, everything that needs to be done with livestock. Then I get to come back in, you know, do dinner prep, do house stuff, play with the kid, put her to bed. So it's, it's, it is organically becoming most of the day aside from like seven or eight hours. I have like a normal regular farm homestead thing to where, you know, kids getting raised by mom, dad is out at work. I'd like it to be where I'm out on the pasture all day, just doing farm stuff. But instead I'm actually at a job, but same amount of time is applied. Then dad comes home you know, as a kid for a little while, dinner's made, whatever. Um, so right now it's very busy uh, just because of the time of the year it is. There's always constant projects. Like I just had to build a new chicken coop, which to anybody listen to this, stop buying things, go on Craigslist, go to the free section, find stuff that no one is using and implement that into your build. Like make it work somehow. Like I just built a fourteen by twelve, completely covered like everything chicken coop, with all the stands inside, with roosting boxes, with everything, and it cost me like twenty dollars in screws. That's it. I didn't buy anything. <laughs> That's it. Like start upcycling. There's stuff everywhere for you to be able to do things. It's very simple to do. You just have to get creative. And I do that with most of the stuff I have. Mm -hmm. Like I try to spend absolutely nothing. It doesn't always work, but most of the time it does. Well, you stick with it long enough until it does, right? Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I have to, you know, take a couple of weeks off of a project, whether it be, you know, a garden box or a compost or building a fence or whatever it is, like I, I will, I will take time off of that and focus on another project while I search for either free or massive, massively discounted items to make that thing happen. Because mm -hmm. it's not worth it. Like I'm not, I'm not building some giant dreamland farm in Texas that houses, you know, eight thousand gazelles because I'm Ted Nugent. Like no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Like, there's no, there's no feasible reason to be doing that. I'm just trying to build a sustainable system that works. That's a permaculture style 
where everything is in conjunction with each other that complements each other. It doesn't matter if it's beautiful or not. It doesn't have to be. It works and it feeds my family and it makes us money. That, that's it. Or, or, yeah, I don't need to be on the cover of fucking Vanity Fair or whatever that Chip and Joe magazine is. <laughs> well, it makes you happy, right? Like you've, you've I, I sort of looking at it as like a point A to point B kind of point C thing where you talk about who you were in high school and then you reach this kind of inflection point you know, in that hospital. And then you've had to rebuild. We started out talking about everything that you have in your life now is something that you wanted at one point in time. And you can either always be looking over the hill at the next thing you want, or you can appreciate the fact that where you are is a manifestation of your desires in some way. Maybe it's not exactly like you expected, but to be grateful for what you've got. And so I'm looking, as you're telling me the story, I'm sort of you know, charting the path of this man who has intersected with my life, you know, in a very powerful ways and just having real appreciation for it because there are so many men who wouldn't get up off the floor of a hospital one way or another and rebuild their lives to self-sufficiency. You know, all the kind of men that we're talking about that wouldn't have taken accountability, that wouldn't have made hard choices, that wouldn't have done. I mean, what could be harder than having a family and a job and a homestead? That's like all the jobs, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I, to me now it's normal, right? You know, that's, and so it's really hard for me to, to think back on the, the struggles of, you know, what it was and what it would have been. It's really hard to, to identify with those because I'm like, I'm past those, you know, like I've done it. They're, they're, they're done. I've learned, I've, I've had those experiences. I've had those failures and those hardships. And so now I'm on this path of, Hey, you know, I know what's going to happen if, but, you know, if a chicken dies or if I need to fix a fence or if a goat gets out, like, it, you know, I, I know those experiences. And so I'm, and like, that's my, my Instagram page is, it's all over the place. It, it, it's all over the place because I just want to help people in whatever they, they, whatever they need help with. Like I'll, like my DMs daily is in pure insanity. It, it's extreme. Like I've got to meme my phone during the day. It, it just gets extreme. But I don't even have that many followers, but it's because I engage with people on a human level of just, hey, if you want to talk about it or if you need help with something, I probably fucking know something about it and I'll help you through it. So I'll help you with it. Like I, I have done a lot of a lot. And here I am. Like I have no problem helping you with it. I have no problem talking to you about it. I'm an open book. Like I'm, I'm raw as hell. I'm going to give you the straight answer for it and I'll help you work through it. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what direction that I'm going. I know it's up. And speaking of which, I'm on your show. So I'm going to tell you about it. Like what, what an amazing scenario this has been between you and I, <laughs> right? Like what, what, what a, what a magnificent meeting and just the energy and the, the whole aura and i mean everything like who, who saw this coming and you've talked about it before like we are polar opposites as far as our upbringing yep. and everything else but here we are you know right. i mean like we, we we found something that is extremely rare like you, you don't this just is an everyday thing mm-hmm. i agree i agree I mean, we met and it was like i know this guy i've never met him before but i know this guy he seems really familiar to me for some reason you know, I was saying that about you. There was something, you know, I didn't know anything about you um, except for, you know, 
what, what encounter on Instagram like anyone else and, and being in the Chattistan chat and all that. But it's like, I picked up on some frequency. It's like, yeah, I, I know that I like this guy. I don't know why I like, I don't know why I know this, but I know that I do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. There's, 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 there's this men that you cross paths with in your life that, and I, I said it before too, that you, you hold on to that. Mm-hmm. You, you, you try to raise him up and, and like me, my, my favorite thing right now that's been like the last year is being the catalyst for someone mm-hmm. that, that's, that's been my thing is that I, it never needs to be about me. I don't, I don't care. I'm just, I'm just a simple dude, just going along in his life and trying to be the best version of myself. But if I can be the catalyst for someone to be better or to reach new heights or to, you know, have some new positive engagement in their life. If I can be the catalyst for that, I absolutely will. I have no problem. I've got all the time in the world to do that. (laughs) And it, and it is, it comes very easy to me. I'll jump into anyone's DMS. I will, I will pit bull. I will dig through the mud just to make someone, I will raise people up. I will gas them up. Like, I'll do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's true. That's true in our relationship. Like, you know, and I can, I can absolutely validate that because as you know, I'm working on something pretty big. This whole vision of the Renaissance of men is, is big. It's epic big. You know, it's what you, what you hear on a podcast, not you, you, but you know, for anyone listening, like this is just the beginning and you know, KJ knows about all of it. And uh, you know, I can say that when I was just kind of putting a lot of the stuff out there and just being me like you, KJ, were incredibly insanely supportive and positive. Like it's been an enormous blessing to me to feel that like this unrestrained, like I like speaking life into men because this is how, this is how I am. I'm not used to having life spoken into me. And like, you've always been doing that from, from day one. And that's just like a, that's just an incredible feeling to know that, you know, you will just, you'll just do that even if I don't ask, but if I do ask, you're also there as well. And that's just, you know, I don't know that I can accurately reflect, you know, with hundreds of people listening, how emotionally meaningful that is to me, but um, I'll just leave that there. And just, I think you can see that it's, uh, I'm very, very grateful. We all go up together. (laughs) Touche. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you. I agree. We all do go up together because it's the, I mean, there's enough to go around for all of us. You know, that's the, that's the beauty of, of an abundance mindset. I think I think that's a good way to wrap it too. We all go up together. Here we are. Find your tribe. Exploit them too, like, like in a good way. Exploit your tribe. Like if someone's good at something, let them know. If someone's bad at something, let them know. Mm-hmm. Like build them up. Build your tribe. Get them together. Get going. Like we're, we're all heading in in this direction. Especially if you're listening to this, you're here. What are you doing about it? Mm-hmm. That's what I tell people. I got a guy write me literally from Africa, from Rwanda, from Kigali, Rwanda. He's like, I can't, I'm looking forward to being part of the Renaissance. I'm like, if you're listening to my podcast and he had also started a men's group in Rwanda, you know, I said, if you're doing those two things, you're already part of the Renaissance. Like, welcome. Like, you don't have, there's no application process. Like you are the Renaissance. You're doing it. You're doing it, man. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, there's something happening. I've gotten a couple different messages from guys in Africa. So that's something that I'll have to look and look more into because I'm kind of wondering like, 
when will this vibe percolate around the world? When will we begin seeing like an African renaissance and a Japanese renaissance and all this stuff? Like what an incredibly exciting thing, the rediscovery of like self-sustaining or self-supporting warrior cultures around the world. Like that's a real renaissance. That's next level. That is, yeah, that is, that is exciting, man. Good. <laughs> that is good to hear. That's <laughs> yeah, really exciting. Well, where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? Oh, uh, well, I only have Instagram because I hate phones. And my Instagram is my full name. It is KJ Kitely. Um, and I, I went through this phase where I, I was like, oh, maybe I should make like a different name. You know, maybe, maybe I should make like, you know, a weird catchy name or, you know, something else. And I was like, no, that would be disingenuous. Like, like that's, that's not me. I'm, I'm me. I, this is me. Here's what you get. If you don't like it, move the fuck on. Like, I don't like it's, it's at KJ Kylie. That is my name. You get to see my face. You get to see my daughter. You get like, whatever. I don't, I don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 I'm full fucking send all the time. I share a lot of things I probably shouldn't on my story every day in a very large reel. And uh, I also dance around in cowboy boots and American shorts and uh, plate carriers and AR-15. So yeah, come check me out if you want. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just there for the dance routines is really, is really what it is. And the memes and the, and the level five memes. <laughs> yeah, fourth and fifth tier memes, man. It's, it's all about hunting for them. We'll get there. <laughs> all our memes go up together we will together create a sincere <laughs> meme <laughs> well this has been absolutely awesome thanks uh, thank you for everything this, I mean this is just one of the many other things that I have to thank you for so thank you KJ absolutely brother thank you for having me uh, have a wonderful evening and everybody out there we go up together be about it be about it full send see ya Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.